Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, who's ready for a countdown? 48, 72, 96. No, there isn't a countdown. Yes, it is a football Friday, but it's not an Eagles football Friday. Welcome in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Tone to Shield Sports Take. Tone, good to see you, my friend. How are we doing? I'm doing great, my friend. I feel great this morning. It's Friday. The sun is shining real bright on this side of the, on this side of the country. So uh, I feel good, man. Um, I woke up. I'm blessed by the best. Uh, took my vitamins. I, I'm, I'm ready to rock, man. I'm ready for whatever you throw at me, Ari. Let's oh, do it. I, I got a lot, man. Let me say hi to everybody. What's up, Tyler? What is up? Let's see. M. Reyes, James. What is up, ARS Bench? Uh, Twiz, Jimmy, Gregory. Who else? Who else we got here? William. Uh, did I get James? James, I think I got you. Uh, and William Stark, what's up, everybody? Hope you guys are doing great out there. I see it's Joe. Ho- let, me get, let me get everybody. I'm getting everybody today. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go, Twiz. Hey, Twiz, thank you. Um, they won't get yeah. into it about later on, but I appreciate you. Thanks, Twiz. Yes, so we got we got Tones folks rolling into uh into Texas in a little bit. Looking forward to that, man. That's got to be awesome for you. I'm glad. Uh, what is up, Fly? What's up, Jim G? Hope everybody's doing well. If I missed anybody, uh, I apologize, but uh, hope everybody's good. Now, here's the thing, mm-hmm. Tone. This is a we're on watch. We are on watch. What's up, Chuck? We're on watch. So, reportedly, now I don't know. I guess when you're you're Jeffrey Lurie, you're not exactly traveling coach, so you right. you have different you know methods of of arrival. Jake, what's up? What's up, real MVP? Um, so he is supposed to be our, uh, real RMP. Sorry. Uh, he is supposed to be coming in from St. Martin today to have the interview with Nick Sirianni. Now, what is supposed to take place in this interview? It really, this part isn't surprising. Nick's going to have to go in there with a plan. Nick's going to have to go in there with, uh, I think partly an explanation of what went wrong this year, partly of what he is going to do to get this thing headed in the right direction, partly, uh, you know, with, with a list of coaches 
that he's going to have to bring in uh, to try to change this thing, or at least guys that he would like to see brought in. So we've been down this road before with Doug Peterson. Correct. And it didn't go particularly well with Doug. Okay. Um, Doug basically, I think, had the opportunity to come back, but Doug was at a point in his life and his career where he wanted to make the decisions on the people that were brought in. And that is not where Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman were. And Doug was shown the door. Now, ultimately, none of us are inside of Nick Sirianni's head, so we don't know exactly what approach he's going to take to this thing. Tone, this is just my guess, and tell me where you are with this, okay? My guess is he's going to be a lot more willing uh, than Doug was to do whatever it takes to stay on as the Eagles head coach. That's just my read on it. I don't know that for certain. I don't right. pretend to know Nick on a personal level, but from where how I've seen him, in front of the press, how I've seen him kind of work behind the scenes, et cetera. That's just my guess. Where are you at? You know, I think I think you're pretty spot on in terms of him working or being uh, uh what's the word? Is it ami- uh, amiable or yeah, yeah, uh, amicable? You know, being amicable, yeah, but yeah, being being real flexible with Howie and uh, Jeffrey. I think I think he understands his role, but also here's another thing too. You got to remember who he's connected to and how he got the job in the first place, right? Right. You know, there you know the the frank Wright connection and um i wouldn't be surprised if you know jeffrey and how we reached out to frank and said hey you know you know how is this guy we're thinking about hiring him and i'm and i wouldn't be surprised if frank got on the phone with nick saying because you know they're close right i, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Reich got on the phone with sirianni saying hey, listen they're considering you for this job nine times out of ten you're going to get it mm-hmm. this is how you keep it so I expect Sirianni with all the fire, you know, with all the spicy uh, salsa, all the spicy uh, tomato sauce in his belly. I'm pretty sure he's going to still find a way to navigate this without ruffling too many feathers. Mm -hmm. I think Sirianni is going to try his best to uh, concede to their demands. That's what I expect. But still. Anything can go haywire in these conversations, right? If Jeffrey Lover doesn't like something and he's he and Sirianni is pretty hell on it, that's when things go awry and it doesn't take much. So ultimately, I do think Sirianni is going to be flexible. But at the end of the day, like you said, we don't know him. We don't know how this thing is going to end up. Let me tell you the other thing. Well, here's the other thing that, that I, I also do wonder about, Tone. I, I know we, we assume that Nick kind of handpicked Brian Johnson and Sean Desai, right? And or maybe Matt Patricia. I, I don't know. If he didn't, if this was more of the call of Jeffrey and Howie, do they have a little bit more um, empathy for the plight of Nick at the way this year went if they were the ones who chose this? In other words, mm. if they're behind closed doors and Nick and Jeffrey saying, hey, look, let's be honest. We, we, we wanted, you know, Sean Desai and Matt Patricia and he – he kind of got mm-hmm. – I mean, those guys sucked, <laughs> frankly. Um, is there a little bit more understanding? I don't know. I mean, we, again, we don't know the situation. But here, here's here's my best guess, and we'll talk to Dave Zangaro coming up at 1130 from NBC Sports Philadelphia. I'm curious to bounce some of the stuff off of him. I think both coordinators are gone. There's a chance Brian Johnson gets a head coaching gig. That's that's in play. He's interviewed with several – a couple of teams. So that's in play. Even if it's not the case, I think they move on from both parties. What I wonder is if Jeffrey says to to Nick, hey, listen, whoever comes in as the OC, 
is also scheming this thing up. You're definitely going to have input in this, but I want them to be able to orchestrate their own plan on game day with calling those plays. And I wonder if Nick pushes back on that part. Mm. He's really out of it. He's really just the CEO at that point. So there's all these like little things that I do wonder about, you know, with all this. No, I mean, you bring up a good point. I do. I, I'm with you believing that the, both coordinators will be gone. Um, how much is Nick willing to really concede, right? Is he just going to become a figurehead at this point? And that's the that's the the million dollar question he's gonna have he's gonna have to ask himself how badly does he want to keep this job mm-hmm. and you know the, the dynamic between howie and jeffrey laurie you know that matters as well because you know they're tight at the hip yep but also Howie roseman i think i think it's important for him for nick seriani to get this thing right because he can't keep going through these head coaches like this and no. you don't want to become that organization that's constantly shuffling through head coaches um uh, am I on the side of moving on? Sure. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. But I do value stability. And I do wrestle with the idea of bringing him back or not, if I'm being completely transparent, you know, with yeah. the people. Because, you know, we're human and our, and our feelings are fleeting and, and, and they're fluid. And I, part of me says, yeah, flush the whole thing, get a new coach in here and try to maximize Jalen Hurts' skill set. Other part of me is, okay, he has been successful with this team. They had one bad stretch. They have to. They have to be able to. You have to be able to stay the course. You can't just jump ship every time you come across a big tidal wave. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It, yeah. That's not. That's not sustainable. So, I think you know what, Tone. It's like anything else in life, isn't it? I, I mean, yeah. you're going to go through things, man. You're going to mm-hmm. go through things that are difficult. And I always talk to my kids about this, and I'm like you don't quit at the first sign of, of distress here. You know, you don't, you don't just give up on something because, and I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a real fine line there when it comes to Nick, like how much of it was just stuff went off the rails. It got crazy. He lost control of it. He's a, it's not that he isn't at fault. He is because he's the head coach, but ultimately are you jettisoning this guy too soon when most of his, the large majority of his, of his work has been good. It's a really t- – it's just not an easy call, man. I don't envy Howie and Jeffrey as far as this goes. It's not an easy call. And then you got to think about what, what direction could they go in with the OC. And then and then also Jalen Hurts, right? You know, some debate how much say he will have in this process. Mm-hmm. I think every I, – I believe every decision you make when it comes to this franchise has to be in the best interest of that quarter of a billion-dollar investment. That's how I look at it. And I'm pretty sure – one thing they always say, especially in business, follow the money. Mm-hmm. You follow the money, you'll find out what their motivations are. Yeah. You'll find out what they care about. And Jalen Hurts, quarter of a billion dollars, the largest investment in that franchise. I think whatever decision they make, he's going to be at the forefront of it. And I do believe when they do come to a decision, they will pick his brain, you know, to see to see how. Oh, I think how, they already have. How he rolls with it. Okay. Okay. So they already have, right? Let's assume that too. My opinion. Yeah. Yep. Right. Let's assume that they already um, they already spoke to Jalen, picked his brain. Exit interviews have already ended. Players are already out of the building for the most part. So yeah, you know what? You're right. L- likely they did speak to him. All right. What do you What do you think? What do you think that conversation was like? Well, let's do, oh with with Jalen. I, I Jay, think Jalen and think Jeffrey, or Jalen and Howard, however you want to slice it. What do you think I that think conversation the, was like? Well, I, I I would say this. I think that the first, I would ask him, um, how did you think the offer offense operated this season? 
And if Jalen says not quite at the level that I think we're capable of, or it's not quite what we were last year. So then my follow up to that would be, okay, why, why wasn't it as good as last year? You had very similar personnel, not exact, but similar personnel. Why couldn't you guys function, especially at the end of the season at a high level? And if he says, hey, look, there was confusion leading up to the week. Uh, I felt like our game plan was predictable. Uh, I, I felt like we didn't do enough to counter the blitz. Like if, if it's a lot of the stuff that you're you're laying at the feet of the coaches, then that's not going to bode well for Nick. It's not going to yeah. bode well for Brian Johnson either. Uh, which is it's what like we're, it's like he's blaming them. It's like he's blaming them without blaming them. Right. And I wonder, too, like because of his relationship with Brian, is he less apt to lay it on him and sort of push it all on the Nick? I don't know. I'm, I'm totally speculating about that. I have no idea. But I do wonder. I think Jalen is a is a stand up enough guy where I think he's got to say at some point things like, look, and I also ha I have to get better at X, Y, Z. And, and, it, and a lot of this falls on my shoulders. I'm the quarterback. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm the leader out there. And right. Nick wasn't the one throwing those interceptions. He wasn't yeah. the one fumbling the football in big spots. You know, I, I hope that he takes that approach where it's not just a finger point. It, uh, you're pointing it, pointing it at himself as well. Jalen strikes me as that kind of dude, though. Um, yeah, if you notice, even his press conferences, even when they try to push back on coaches, one thing I will give him credit for, maybe this isn't an endorsement of coaching, but what I will give him credit for is he's always saying, look, first things first, it's important to look in the mirror. Where did I go wrong in this process? He always hinges on that. And I appreciate that about him because you do got quarterbacks. You do have quarterbacks. Excuse me. You do have quarterbacks who um, pass the buck a lot yeah, or who aren't really willing to fall on the sword for anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, he makes it very clear in most of his press conferences, if not all of them, that it starts with the individual. It starts with yeah. you. And also this game is results based, you know. Jalen Hurts is funny. His personality type, we, you know, we loved it, right, when they were winning. But now that he's, but now that they're losing, now that they're losing, you have, you know, certain people who are saying he's, he's too nonchalant. He doesn't care. He's, yep. uh, he's coy, or whatever. And look, the, the fact of the matter is, Jalen Hurts has been answering these questions exactly in Jalen Hurts fashion. Yeah, he right. has, he, he hasn't really deviated from the script. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't really get in too much detail about much of anything. He's very in control of his press conferences. And I, and I and that's another thing I respect about him. Yeah, to yeah. be in control in a you know in situations where you're really not, that's that's commendable. So Jalen Hurts, um, even like like you said in in those meetings with Laurie and and, and Howie, he's going to, I think he will start with self, and then he'll say, look, I understand my role in this thing, and I will never dismiss that. You know my my discomfort with what was, was with what's been going on is I don't have full confidence in what we've been doing the past several weeks or the game plan. I felt like we were mostly ill prepared um, to respond to certain things that you would think are pretty elementary. Um, and by being honest, it may be an indictment on Nick just by being flat out honest. And sometimes there's nothing you can do, right? Some person like you, some call it throwing somebody under the bus, whatever, but sometimes there's literally no other option. If you're just being honest and you can clean it up as much as possible, it doesn't matter. It's still going to land roughly. Well, that that's a key. Like they, you want honesty in those meetings. You don't want somebody covering for somebody. You got to keep it real, but behind those closed doors to, to try to fix it. Your, your ultimate objective is to fix this thing. That's what you're there to do. 
And, and sometimes a byproduct of that is somebody has to go, but that's what you're trying to do. Make the product better. All right. With that in mind, I'm going to, you and I, and our chat, we're going to be Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lurie here in the scenario. All right. If you want to say Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, that's fine. We're going to be forms of both. Okay. We're going to role play a little bit here. So here, here's what I want to do here. I want five key points that you would address with Nick Sirianni. Mm. So you're sitting down with him today at the Novacare complex in your office. Where do you start? It's the first thing you're, you're asking him about if you're Jeffrey and or Howie. So I get to pretend that I'm the Don. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. So you can, you can, after you leave, you'll leave in your Bentley, you'll roll out to, to, to your really nice crib and you'll duck out of this weather pretty soon. I'm sure as well. And go to, your nice place in Florida in Palm Beach. That's so good, but, Rob. That's good. That's that, that's funny. That's good. That's yeah. good. But for right now, you're in that office, man, and you need answers. You want the truth, okay. as as Tom Cruise would say. Nick, I have a few questions for you. One, what happened to Jalen Hurts? How did he regress? That's the number one point I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Why did this quarterback take a step back? What can we point to tangibly to why that to why that young man did not succeed this year? He went from turning the ball over this amount to this astronomical amount. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's accountable for a lot of it. But how did he get there? So that's one. What happened to the quarterback? Why hasn't he taken a, at least a small step forward? Why did he take such a larger step back? That's one. Let's jump on that. All right. So uh, this to me is number one as well. Like this is – you better get to you better fix this. You better get to the root of why he took a step back. Um, and you better have some answers. Um, and, and to me, uh, the first thing I would say is, and this sounds like BS coach speak, but I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> dig a little bit deeper when I say this. We need to put him in a better position to succeed. What I mean by that is if I'm him, if I'm Nick at least, uh, we were too predictable on offense, number one. We did not do a good enough job preparing him against pressure. And we need to, to fix that ASAP because that's the book on us. Every team is going to come after us now. And they know that if his first read isn't there, he gets himself into trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so I would start there. Predictability, inability to counter a blitz. Uh, and we also need to do a better job taking what's given to us. We we have we have jammed into his head too much chunk play deep shot push the ball down the field. We have to be willing to take the other stuff because that will open up stuff down the field. Uh, we could also do a better job of being more consistent calling runs. Um, I, now I wouldn't get crazy on that because I don't think that's what Jeffrey and Howie ultimately want. But I would keep mm -hmm. that in your you know in, in the in the in the holster. I, that would come out at some point. Right. So I would do that, and I, I think you're dead on with the very first question being that let, let me, all right. So let me hit you with my kind of second question. Then you, you jump okay. in simply put Nick, why did we lose six of our last seven games? If you could Ooh, sum it up for me, that's good. What happened here? Because you were 10 and one, you finished six and seven. That included a loss to the, to the Cardinals, a loss to the giants, and then a, a non-competitive playoff game against the bucks. How do you explain that? Now, that's good. I don't know what the answer is from Nick on that one. I really don't. Um, I, that's that would I would. That's where I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Do you think he knows? 
I don't, I, that's the problem. He better have some kind of explanation because if he doesn't know, then it's going to be a mess. Here's one of my guesses. One of my guesses. I think he'll say, look, we need to, frankly, we, we lack some talent on the defensive side. Okay. How, but that's where you got to be delicate too, because how we constructed that. But what he needs to also say is the move from Desai to Patricia in hindsight was not the right move. Um, we didn't respond well to it. You talk to a lot of the players and they'll tell you that it was really hard adjusting to the, to the tweaks and the, and the different things that Patricia did. We laid that on them at week. What was it? 14 or 13. I don't know, whatever it was. We laid it on them late in the season. If, if I could do that over again, I wouldn't do it. Um, and that led to a lot of our defensive struggles. Okay. Uh, that's, that's one, but I would keep, I would, I would, that's where I would go tell him with a real sort of generic, you know, I get two games. Open, yeah. Leave it, leave it open-ended. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. I hope what happened. I mean, I, you could, Hey, we understand the 49ers. We get, we kind of get Dallas six of seven. How does that happen? That's a, that's a good pull. You're right. I, that's actually not on my list. Um, my second one was offensive identity. What happened to it? Um, no evolution. You know, how did we get to this point with the offense with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, um, Jalen Hurts, that O-line? How were we not able to generate offense in that final um, in that final stretch? Even even then, why was the offense so herky-jerky? So, again, um, just go back to the essence of offensive identity. And it, this kind of coincides with your second one, right? What happened in those final six games? Why weren't we able to generate enough offense? You know, I believe in a few of those matchups, they didn't put up, they didn't put up more than 20 points. No. So Nine so, points uh, in your last game. Exactly. So clearly offense became a struggle in the second half along with defense, which is not a good thing. So uh, I, this is the scary part about this. I really don't know if he has the answers. I don't know that, if he has the answers for both sides, right? I don't know if he has the answers for why the offense became predictable, why they lacked an identity, uh, why it was such, why it was so easy for, you know, for opponents to just, you know, make a beeline for whatever Jalen Hurts and those guys were doing. Um, it just seemed like the Eagles on offense, especially, was playing um, a speed slower than everyone else. And then on defense, they were playing they were playing light years away from everybody else. So, uh, yeah, uh, those are good. That's good. That six seven game stretch, he has to answer for that. And above all else, he has to answer for what happened to this offensive identity. Why there hasn't been any evolution. Um, mm-hmm. I want to transition to my third one. Sure. This is kind of this is kind of close to the second one. Um, why haven't we in three years been able to come up with the answer to the blitz? And why has your answer to the blitz still blue screens? What is that about? What is that? Why, yeah. why, 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 why is there no creative ingenuity in response to the blitz? I, I think it's, it's a good just question. that simple for me. No, Tone, and I think it, that goes back to just a, look, Nick, we, we brought you in. Your calling card was you were an offensive mind. You were an offensive coordinator with the Colts. You were you've been a quarterbacks or receivers coach. You're you're that's your side of the of the ball, man. Mm-hmm. For us to look as un or excuse me, I wish they were unpredictable. For us to look as predictable as we look on that side when you're the one during the week drawing this up. How how does that happen, man? Like how did we lose our fastball from one year to the other? Like if I were to say to you, this is where you dig deep too, Tone. There's a lot of talk from people, and you you tell me how I'm, I'm saying this is Jeffrey. Tell mm-hmm. me, Nick, how you'd respond to this. That are Shane, saying Shane Steichen was the reason this offense looked the way it looked, and when Shane Steichen left, our offense fell off. What's your response to that? 
These are hard questions. That's man. a bold question. You think they would ask? You think they would ask him that? I do. I, because here's the thing: this isn't going to be a five minute session. This is going to be an hours, plural, long session where they're going to dig deep. This this guy's job's on the line. That's a good point. And and, and it isn't going to be comfortable a lot of the time. You know, there, there's not going to be a lot of, hey, let's order out for Chick-fil-A. Like, I think yeah. this is going to be like real dig and, down into some stuff. And, and also, you you know what? I, I, I would tend to agree with you. And, and another thing is they lost a lot of money because they were bad this year. They lost two home games that they if you had taken care games. of your business against those garbage teams at the end of the year, and you lost them both. And you lost, uh, like, that's millions of dollars in income that mm-hmm. was not generated. Even if you had beaten Tampa – and the game would have been in Detroit. That's still another week that somebody's buying merchandise or 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 TV rights are kicking in. Like that's bottom line, real stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, now we're getting into the corporate side of things. You know, and at the end of the day, as much as these guys want to win, they want to make their money too. And when they have opportunities to make more money, they're gonna you know they're gonna find out why that didn't happen. Yeah. So that's a you're right. Why? Why did you lose those seven games? What happened to the offense? Is it Shane? Is, why is everyone saying Shane Steichen was the reason for your success? Frankly, you're, you're, you're right behind it. Yeah, he's yeah he's he's going to have to answer these tough questions, and they're going to make him uncomfortable. And honestly, they they're going to frazzle him a little bit. Yeah, and and I think that's the that's the crux of, of negotiating and having these tough conversations, being able to keep your emotions in check. When the person you're talking to says something that makes you very uncomfortable and challenges your authority, challenges um, your credibility. This is a real conversation. There are there are multi million dollars on the line um, when it comes to this team because they're not good. Um, people, well, Eagles fans are always going to show up. You know, we're psychos like that. But uh, you don't want to lose out on playoff matchups, especially home games. And Nick Sirianni has to wear that along with the players as well. Um, my number four was the screen game. What happened? Yeah. Like, how come? How come we? How come we have no screen game with the running back? Over the tight end, we have no, the Eagles have had no, no. The only screen, no screen is the game. wide receiver screen. With exactly West the bubble screen. There's no running back or tight end screen. So that's oh. um, you know, that's one thing I I would love answers for. And my last one is the defense. You know, which is what happened to the defense, man. What's going on? Where do we go wrong there? Period. Yeah. Uh, let me. I was I was thinking of this as we were we were talking about that last scenario, right? And I, and I wonder if this is. I don't know that they'll hit him with this, but I'm just thinking out loud. You tell me if it's kind of nothing or whatever. Okay. But, hey, Nick, we like that you are an emotional guy. We like that you wear your heart on your sleeve. Nobody doubts you care. Why the need to go after an opposing fan base as you're coming off the field? Why, at times, do you come unglued on the sidelines? And don't you think that's a poor reflection? Like, if you're asking A.J. Brown to keep his cool and you're losing your mind at certain points, like, how can we do that? Like, are you too emotional? Do you, do you need to scale this thing back a little bit and keep your composure a little bit better? And is that affecting your coaching in any way, shape, or form? Mm. They, they don't call him Harry High School for nothing. Uh, sometimes I wonder if Nick Sirianni would be better suited coaching college. Just because, like, it's just his – his the way he carries himself, the energy, he just – it's very yeah, – You can see him connecting very well, – frankly, very well with 18 to 22-year-olds. It's it's very college, very high school, you know, and he has to get that in check, especially if he's going to be coaching these grown men. Yeah. Um, I know we're running a long time here because we got Zingaro to let yeah, We You know, we can we can, we can can push some of this stuff to later. We got we got yeah. plenty of – we got 
I, no, it was, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun exercise. Not Probably not fun for Nick, but it's a fun exercise for us. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get a timeout in. Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to join us when we come back. You don't want to go anywhere. We've got a lot of Eagles coverage for you uh, throughout the uh, the course of the program. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. You don't feel like cooking tonight, do you? I know. Of course you don't. Bad weather out there, man. Go get yourself a pizza. Uh, they've been family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and the crew there seven days a week just pumping out the absolute best and most fresh food. 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they'll make it. But they just don't do pizza. They have fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. Bravo Pizza of Havertown is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, little leagues, and schools. Proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo the Bravo Pizza of for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call. 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. What is up, buddy? Thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday. Snowy in our area. Uh, I'm going sledding once we get off tone. Are, are you really? I'm taking. We're taking our little niece. Uh, she's here today, and we're going to take her sledding <laughs> as we get out of here. So I'll okay, probably be all banged. I'll be all banged up Monday. You'll be like, "What happened to Rob?" Well, you'll know what happened. It wasn't a bar fight. It was sledding. So there you go. All right. Uh, joining us right now, I, I, his coverage is amazing for NBC Sports. Philadelphia. You can follow him on Twitter at D Zingaro NBCS. Also the excellent podcast with our buddy Ruben Prank, Eagle Eye. Dave, what's going on, my man? DZ, hey, how what's going doing? on? I'm, I've been watching the snow out, out my window. And Rob, it's funny. I, I remember like one of my most vivid memories as a kid. I went sledding with my friends, like the big hill in our town. And the township used to put like these metal rods with like the orange stuff, like to keep you on the like the little jumps, basically, like on the hill. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And one time I went off the side of this thing and I like slammed into the the metal pole, and it was like Ooh. the most pain I'd ever been in my life. So good luck today, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my god, man! I re- I'll tell you what we used to do. So like the older guys, these guys were nuts, man. I, I don't even know how they did this. The older guys would get, I'm not even kidding you, hoods of trucks on this big hill. We lived, I, I lived, like, if you walked, like, 15 minutes, you could get to a golf course. And golf courses had, the golf course had this big drop. So these dudes got the hood of a car, and they'd they'd go down on the hood of a car. So they let us do it. And, and Dave, I had the same thing. Like, I, so it's me and my my two buddies, and we're on this thing, and we're flying. And you had to, like, hit this little footbridge just right or you're going into a creek okay <laughs> i'm not kidding you so thank god we were careening right for the creek my one buddy just grabbed me and like it was almost like one of those like movies where you jump out of a moving car and we got off at the last second before that bad boy went into the creek it could have been could have been curtains i think i don't think i'd be sitting here having oh pleasure, my god pleasure talking you to you guys today but anyway um all right dave we just did a little role-playing exercise tone and i did where we were sort of like jeffrey howie in the interview today with, with Nick, if, if you could ask Nick one question to start off with about the way the year went or anything specific, what would be your first question for them, for him? Yeah, it's funny because I, I think like those answers are important. Like how did you let this thing snowball to the point that it did? Um, and, and like from that aspect of it, I think the important thing to ask is, basically like why didn't your culture prevent this mm. like it's one thing to get into scheme and play calling and all of this stuff but the big reason you hire nick sirianni look I, I know he's an offensive coach and he takes pride in his offense but one of the big reasons you hired him was because of his ability as 
a coach to connect with players, to get the most out of them. He believes that the more guys are connected, the harder they play for each other. Why did that culture not prevent this tailspin? And I know the culture alone can't do it, and there are other elements to it, but that's what I would want to know. Uh, and I don't know if, if there is an answer for that, but like if you're looking at the past season, that's the biggest question I have. Now, there are obviously schematic questions, but that's more about stuff going forward. And, and honestly, I think that stuff is more important when you're talking about like the past or the future. Unfortunately for Nick, like he's going to walk in there and say, I've taken you to three playoff appearances. We went to the Super Bowl. But you don't keep a coach because of what he's done. You keep a coach because of what you think he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and certainly, like, the resume aspect plays into that because he's proven he can be successful in this league. The question is, can he be successful with this franchise moving forward? Does he have a plan in place to make those things happen? And that's really what this meeting should be about. You know, Dave, uh, thanks again for coming on. Um, Jalen Hurts has been kind of getting a little bit of criticism because of his not so ringing endorsements of uh, Nick Sirianni. He's kind of been very stoic, very Jalen Hurts about it, right? Um, Do you believe Jalen Hurts believes that Nick Sirianni is the guy that can help him take his game to the next level? It's a fair question. Uh, I think with Jalen, we have to be very careful about reading too much into his answers in a public setting, uh, just because he's pretty much guarded about everything. You know, I like it, it, it's not like this treatment has been reserved for Nick Sirianni in this moment. He's right. kind of taken that tack with everything since he's been in the league. I do agree with it on some level that like, hey, man, if this is your coach, go back him up and, and say that publicly. But that we know that's not really uh, Jalen's style. So um, I think there are questions as to whether or not Nick is – going to be able to bring the most out of Jalen. What I will say is like he has, right? Um, whether it was a combination of Nick, Shane, Brian, um, that group got Jalen playing at an MVP level. Heck, he was an MVP front runner this season. And he wasn't even playing that well, but like he was at that level this season. So uh, I think he's had the ability to help Jalen. I think Jalen's a much better player than when he got here. Is there a chance that Hurts is looking at this saying, I don't know if if there's a chance that we're going to get to the next level with this guy? I think those questions might be in the back of his mind, but it's, it's really hard to know. And I think it's like a dangerous game uh, to read too much into what Jalen's saying. I think we can look at it at base level and say, well, this offense didn't get the most out of any of these players mm. this year, right? I mean, this is an offense that is super talented. This is an offense that brought back nine of 11 starters. This is an offense that had an MVP quarterback, two stud receivers, the best offensive line in football, a top five tight end, and a Pro Bowl running back, and they were barely a top 10 offense. Yeah. That's so, well, Dave, then, then I, I probably buried the lead here. Gut feeling. Do you think he's back? Do you think Nick survives this? Uh, my gut for a lot of this time has been no. Okay. Mm. Uh, but it's really like that. My gut has been no, because I look at it and I think um, offensively doesn't have the answers. He, he kind of doubled down. It, it really comes down to what he says in this meeting. And I don't know what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Nick is, is a proud person. Um, if I'm Nick, I walk in there and say, Hey, 
the two coordinators that I brought with me helped us get to the Super Bowl. Let me hire my own guys now. And she'd go in there with names and say, these are the guys I want to hire. I think we can change the – obviously, defense is different, right? I, I don't think defense will be the sticking point. I think defense is like, hey, let's agree on a guy and kind of give the, the keys to the defense to this guy, whoever it is, and let him fix it. Uh, offense is trickier because Nick takes pride in his offense. And uh, this scheme was too basic this year. The, the, the offense was predictable. The rest of the league caught up. And I don't know how willing he's going to be to change the structure of a lot of what they do offensively. And if he's not, and Jeffrey doesn't like the direction it's headed, then I think that could be a contentious area between these two guys. That's uh, okay. Let me follow up real quick on that tone. because That's something to me that I think is a very interesting bone of contention, because even if you believe Brian Johnson was just straight up calling the plays, we're led to believe that Nick is scheming this thing up. And I, you know, the scheme, frankly, left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Would he be willing to totally step back from that and and just really be the ultimate CEO? Like he's not even really get his hands all that dirty, although he has input. I get it. But whomever is calling the plays next year, whether it's a new offense coordinator or Brian Johnson, Nick's not involved in the in this, the, the, at least the, the primary scheming. I don't know that like that's to me where it might be tough for him to extract himself from that, too, Dave. Well, what's he doing? Right. Uh, at that point, like, I, I think he has to be willing to change his offensive philosophy, mm-hmm. right? And, or at least incorporate a lot of elements that they weren't in, incorporating this year. Uh, game, you're right. I mean, and and it, Brian Johnson got so much grief this year, but he's he's kind of handcuffed a little bit at times. I don't know how well he would do in a different scheme. And it is fair to say, well, Shane Steichen didn't seem to be handcuffed last year. Right. Uh, but I did get the sense at times this year that Brian was trying to work with what he had. And it's a difficult situation to be an offensive play caller under an offensive head coach. that's not calling the plays because there were also moments too, where, you know, Nick's kind of dictating what types of plays they're going to run. And I, I think that makes it really tricky. I, if if Nick is not involved in the offense, there's no reason to keep him here. I, mm. it, there aren't coaches like that who are just not. I mean, very rarely. And it, I don't think like in-game management is the biggest part of being a head coach. But I don't think Nick has been particularly good at that either. And part of handing over the play calling was to free him up on game day to to make all these really tough decisions. And I think he's been okay. Like I, I think it, there have been moments where, man, he's made some weird decisions, whether it's being uh, not aggressive enough, whether it's kind of messing up time management things. Like Those are it, – it's not like – you don't fire a guy because of that, but when you're starting to like pile up the reasons, I think that goes on to that side of it, uh, that he hasn't been great in game management situations. He'll have a – if he's here, he's going to have a role – and the offense, a big role in the offense, it's just whether or not he's willing to kind of change some of his philosophies if he realizes that it, it was a problem. Because he can't go in there and say, hey, we have a top 10 offense because Jeffrey Lurie's been, why is it only a top 10 offense? Mm-hmm. You should be an elite mm-hmm. offense. And it hasn't been a top 10 offense in right. weeks. You're, you're resting on the laurels of the first 10, 11 games. That's the other part. And I guess, I guess, I'm sorry, Tone. I just, the no, only no, no, you're fine. 
if you're taking all that away, like it's like, what do you do? What are you really here for? Yeah, yeah, you know? that's a good point, Rob. And you know, and also, Dave, it's interesting that you say, you know, your gut's telling you he's not back. Um, you know, I was speaking to our guy John McMullen last night. Um, he thinks he likely is to be back. So I'm curious to know, um, what's the temperature amongst you and your colleagues, right? I mean, this this situation clearly has a lot of the city, a lot of uh, the fan base, a lot of reporters split on how this thing may pan out. So um, amongst your colleagues, the people you've been around, you know, these past several weeks, what do you think the temperature is amongst amongst those guys among, when it comes to Nick Sirianni's future? Yeah, it's split, certainly. And, and like, I am, I say that's my gut, but it's like, you know, 55, 45 thing. Right, I'm right, just right. leaning that way. I don't think anyone is anyone who's around the team is really one side or the other heavily. And um, we were kind of taking a straw poll um, among ourselves, like walking. I was actually walking with John, I think. And he said, what do you think? And I went thumbs down, but uh, he went thumbs up. But like, I think it it is close and it's really tough to know because it's not just like I mentioned this. It's not just about what's happened. It's about the plan for what will happen. And that's and we my don't concern. know what that plan is. You know what I that's mean? That's my so. major concern, Dave. That's my major concern. It's not about what has happened. Can can they afford to go through another season with Nick and he still can't provide you with the answers? That scares me. Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting thing. And like uh, it's hard to not look back at 2020 and uh how the Eagles kind of screwed up the timing of that. Uh, Doug was coming back and then wait a second. He's flying down to Florida to meet with Jeffrey. Oh, now he's not coming back. They're not seeing eye to eye. Doug wants press Taylor and you know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug's plan at that point was not good enough in Jeffrey's eyes for the coaching staff uh, and the team going forward. I don't know where Nick is on that. I don't know if Nick's going to walk in there and pound the table and say, Brian Johnson's my guy. Uh, I don't think, you know, the defensive coordinator, I think he'll probably concede, like, give me a list of names. We'll pick one of these names and we'll go from there. But uh, offense is his baby. And uh, it is kind of a weird dynamic. Again, we're going through this where um, there's kind of a maligned coordinator, but he's getting head coaching uh, interviews across the league and Brian Johnson. I, but, like, is it enough to bring in – some kind of offensive consultant. We've seen them try that here before with disastrous results. They tried it in 2020. You guys remember Rich Scangarello coming in and like they, they just had no plan to really blend the offenses. And then eventually Rich is just hanging out doing nothing. Uh, I'm curious to see if, if Nick will have a plan to evolve philosophically on offense, but actually do it. Um, because it's 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 not easy to just blend styles. You have to have a real vision for it, uh, and we've seen we saw that in 2020. Heck, we saw it with the defense this year having two philosophical visions. It means you have no vision sometimes if you can't blend them well. So I I think those are the big questions that they have to try to get answered, and I don't know what Nick's answers are going to be. That's the really tricky part about this. I, I think he can walk in there with the plan that Jeffrey says, okay, no, I like where this is going. I believe in you as a person because I've seen you uh, lead a room and I've seen you do all the intangible things that I want from a head coach. You need to evolve. And 
I, maybe he does that. Maybe he comes in with a really good plan, and Jeffrey thinks, yes, like we can go forward with this guy. I just don't know what his plan is and, and what he's presenting to the owner right now. All right, Dave. So then let me ask you, let, let's hypothetically say that, that Nick sticks around. He's, they, he stays. Do you think both coordinators are gone? And I'll, I'll even ask that with a caveat of, let's say Brian Johnson does not get a head coaching gig. Okay. What the point would be moot. Obviously if he does, he's out of here, but let's say he doesn't get that. Are they moving on from both coordinators in your estimation? I think defense is easy. They, yeah. yeah. That they got to find a new defensive coordinator. Offense is tricky, and it's kind of like, is it is it enough in Jeffrey's eyes to bring in some sort of consultant to help fix the offense? Then you're in kind of a, a lot of cooks in the kitchen scenario because you have Nick Sirianni as the head coach, offensive game plan guy. You might have Brian Johnson as the offensive coordinator. You already have Kevin Patullo, who, as long as Nick here, I. I think the one guy he would bang the table for is Kevin Patullo. He's he got on the plane with him from Indy. Like those two guys are tied together. Um, You're certainly not getting rid of the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. So like you have a lot of guys already. Uh, Is it enough to just bring in coach X and say, well, now you're senior offensive advisor. We're going to listen to you. Is that enough in Jeffrey's eyes? And is that enough to change the offense when Nick is still in charge? Maybe. Uh, It would have to be someone that Nick trusts. It would have to be someone uh, who can present things to him in a way that he sees the validity of it. It's kind of like, you know, when a coach coaches a player, if the player sees that it can help them, they're more willing to accept the coaching. Mm -hmm. It would have to be someone that Nick trusts. And it would have to be someone who presents it in a way that he sees how it can help the offense. Because without that, like, Nick's probably not going to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Dave, um, the Eagles invested, Jeffrey Lurie invested a quarter billion, a quarter million dollars. No, a quarter billion dollars, excuse me. A quarter of a billion dollars into Jalen Hurts. I'm curious to know, by your estimation, how much sway does he have in this entire uh, Nick Sirianni situation? He has some. I mean, because you look at, like, the main players in the organization – Jeffrey's not going anywhere. Howie's not going anywhere. Jalen, by virtue of the contract, is not going anywhere. The guy who who has the least job security is the head coach and and all the coaches after that. So, uh, yeah, because of the contract Jalen signed, he he has a ton of sway. And uh, I don't know if he's going to use it. I I am out of the business of trying to figure out what in the heck Jalen Hurts is thinking or saying or doing. I, I don't know. I, I've known the guy for four years, and I know him not at all. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's obviously by design. But, yeah, he has sway. Um, maybe not to the level of some franchise quarterbacks who have been in a city for a decade. But, right. yeah, there's no question that he has some say in this. If he walks into Je- – like, Jeffrey's going to ask him, right? Just like Jeffrey's probably going to talk to some veterans on the team just to get a sense of the locker room. And uh, I don't think that can be a determining factor what any player says, which sounds kind of messed up, but um, the players like the coach. He's a nice guy. I think a lot of people in that building like Nick as a guy, uh, and they don't want to see him get fired, but it's not about that. No one wanted to see Doug get fired. Doug didn't deserve to get fired. Jeffrey said that, but it was about was he the right guy to lead the team forward. So I think you have to be really careful sometimes uh, gauging the players because – 
not that they're trying to lie to you, but they look at the coach and they like him and they don't want to see him go. And I understand that, but which like that matters too, but not as much as whether or not he can help them get back on a winning side of things. Dave, in your estimation, uh, why did the D line, I get the back seven. I don't think there's talent there, but why did the D line underachieve the way that they did? Yeah, I think, uh, well, part of it is the back seven, right? Like all these things work in unison. If the secondary stinks, they're not given D line time. We know how those things are kind of tied yeah. by a string. I think there was fatigue. Uh, the rotation was not as deep this year as it was last year. You look inside, they brought in Linval and, and, uh, and Dominic and Sue last year. Those guys played a lot of snaps down the stretch. Uh, they didn't have those guys this year. They trade. It sounds, it sounds silly to talk about. They traded Contavious street and they cut Derek Barnett who weren't playing very well when they were here, but they were eating up some snaps Nolan Smith did not grow into the rotational player we expected as a rookie. So inside, he had Jordan Davis playing double the snaps he played last year, and he broke down at the end of the season. He had poor Fletcher Cox at 33 playing a million mm-hmm. snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Carter at the end of a rookie season did hit a rookie wall. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick played a ton. Uh, Josh Sweat played the most snaps of his career. Hassan Reddick played the most as a pure edge rusher in the league. I think those guys broke down. Uh, yeah. I think the Nolan Smith thing to me was a big part of this. I expected him to be the third guy in the rotation. Mm. He wasn't. I mean, yeah. he, he, he barely played this year. Uh, and then you have Brandon Graham. Like how much are you going to ask a 35 year old Brandon Graham to play? I think the rotation was just worn thin. And I, I think they really, uh, it took a lot out of them playing that Buffalo game. And then, the 49ers and, and Cowboys games, I think that three-game stretch just kind of wrecked them from a physical standpoint. You know, Dave, you know, there's been, from what I've been hearing, there's been two competing thoughts when it comes to why this team uh, kind of, you know, fell off a cliff. Uh, one side uh, feels as though players should own more of why things went wrong with effort um, these guys get paid millions of dollars. Um, you, they shouldn't need a coach to get them up for a playoff game or to get them going for football games that have real relevance to their seating. Um, a lot of people put a lot of the onus on a lot of the onus on the players. On the other side, a lot of people put a, uh, a lot of the onus on the coaching and that how can you not get these guys prepared? How, how do you not have answers for the blitz? Um, so on and so forth. So I'm curious to know, how do you balance those two competing ideologies when it comes to accountability and how it should be dispersed between players and coaches? It's really tough. And whenever a season goes bad, you're starting to like look at the blame pie and divvy it up and who deserves this much and this much. Uh, and it's tough to do that because these things work together. Uh, I think coaching clearly was not good enough this year. Right. And I think when coaching isn't up to that level, at a certain point the players stop believing in it and it doesn't mean they quit it doesn't mean they're not playing hard but if they don't think the coaches know what they're doing if they don't think the coaches have a good enough plan i think that's going to show on the field and i think that did uh, at the end of the season i i don't think there was a trust in the coaching staff that they were going to put them in the right position to make plays especially on defense uh that was a mess i mean we're going to look back at this season in 20 years and, and say, remember that time Matt Patricia was here and they made him the defensive coordinator in week 10. And we're going to go, what were they thinking? Uh, 
Yeah, that that was a wreck. Whose call do you think that was, Dave? Ultimately, I, I think it's a front office call. I don't think I don't think Nick does that on his own personally. No, he certainly but, yeah, doesn't do it on his own. He's not making that that decision in a vacuum. Um, the front office at least had to be on board with it. So, yeah. uh, but it was a disaster. And if it was Nick's call on his own, that's almost a fireable offense. It was yeah, that, that he better hope it wasn't going into this meeting because that yeah. that is oh that's, that's the first thing I'm hitting him with probably if, if that's the case. Uh, yeah, do you yeah. think weird question? Do you think they'll announce like if he stayed, if he's staying, will there be an announcement or or do you just not say anything? It's because you don't lend into like all the speculation that I know that's a weird question, but do you think they put something out saying, "Hey, we're um, moving forward"? Maybe not know? officially. Yeah, but uh, it'll be leaked to somebody. Th- there will be word one way or the other. Like, we're not going to, you know, in a few weeks, we're not going to, I wonder if Nick's still going to be the, like, we'll know um, what their what their decision is. Because if he's back, we know there will be other changes. So, like, once they start moving on that, word will be out that, yeah, he, he's the coach. They're trying to figure out other coaching staff hires or firings. Uh, and if not, then at a certain point you got to jump in here all these other teams are interviewing candidates and I, I know the eagles got a late start last time and they ended up getting the, a good coach and they got to the super bowl and everything kind of worked out but you don't want to be too far behind the rest of the league makes sense makes absolutely sense. uh last absolutely. one dave do you think fletcher cox is back i do not hmm. uh base and maybe i'm basing this too much on what jordan davis said this week but Jordan Davis all but said he was gone. Uh, Fletcher said he, he, you know, he hadn't quite decided yet. He didn't know what his future held. And then Jordan Davis talked to us for 20 minutes just about how great it was to play with Fletch, how much he's going to miss him, uh, how much he wishes they could have sent him out on a better note. So uh, a, a lot of the talk all week has been about Jason Kelsey and likely, very likely saying goodbye to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another all-time great could be leaving too. And, it's going to leave a big leadership void on this team for sure. Yeah. yeah last one for me, Dave, um, really quickly. Um, Jalen Hurts. Um, last year, we saw him take a big jump. This year, he took a step back. Uh, just based off all the, everything you've seen, you've seen every game um, in, in grave detail. I'm pretty sure you've rewatched several of them. What do you think um, is the first course of action for Jalen Hurts this offseason? What do you think needs to be priority number one? And the next stage in his development as getting better as the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it is just him and the coaching staff being on the same page. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that's something that he can't like work on with a throwing mechanics coach. Like, I think all that stuff is okay. Uh, I thought some of his bigger problems this year was him not being on the same page with the coaching staff, with the play call. And then I think some of his decision making was very questionable. Uh, so, like I, in years past, you say like, yeah, his mechanics need work. He needs to throw with better anticipation. Like all these different things. I think mechanically he was fine this year. Really, I thought he looked slower. I don't know if he can work on that in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I, I don't think it was like, I don't think there are mechanical things to like. You know, he used to work out with. Uh, like throwing coach. Like I, I think all that stuff is fine. I think you can refine the technique a little bit, but those weren't his issues this year. Right? I think it was more about uh, the flow of the game and him not playing within it and making some poor decisions. So uh, I, I think there are things to work on with his game. I don't think those are things that 
are super easy to work on, you know, in April in an empty field somewhere. Dave, listen, man, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. We know it's going to be a day where you're on watch all day, but we appreciate you uh, jumping on with us for a couple minutes, man. Keep up the good work at NBC Sports Philadelphia and, of course, your Eagle Eye podcast with Ruben Frank. Thanks, Dave. DZ, thank Thanks, you. Guys. Appreciate Take it. Care. All right, Dave Zingaro, great work out of him. All right, let's get a timeout in here, Tone. Let, well, we'll go through some of the things that Dave had to say. Definitely. And I also want to dive into the seasonal turning points. You know, things looked really good at 10 and 1. What happened? Was there a specific game or moment in a game that led them to what happened here? We'll do all of that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Tony to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Stake. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because finding that right person is everything. You work way too hard not to have your money invested the right way, okay? And I found the right person in Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's another resource that Jim can assist you with. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could email him as well. Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. us uh first hour of the show a lot of fun went real fast it's tony shields i'm rob ellis got you for two hours of power coming up all right Tony. Mm-hmm. so let's let's look at it so this team got off to a 10 and one start this season and, and if you look at some of the wins there were definitely some really impressive wins when you when you look at what these some of these teams are still playing um some of these teams have a chance to win a super bowl you know the the, the good wins include um you know beating tampa in week three tampa's still playing as we well know uh, they beat the Rams, who were a playoff team, on the road in Week Five. They beat Miami, who was a playoff team, in Week Seven. They beat Dallas in Week Nine, who was a playoff team. Kansas City, they beat in Week Eleven, who's still playing. Buffalo in Week Twelve, who was still playing. So it's not like you know, getting off to the ten and one start, they just beat up a bunch of patsies and you know, and, and terrible teams. Right. Um, but as we watched those games, we also know, for example, in the Kansas City game. They got pretty fortunate. You know, James Bradbury got beat like a drum on a deep shot that Mahomes put right on the money and, and Valdez Scantling dropped it, which could have changed the you know the course of that game. And, and that's just one example. There were a couple other games where things happened uh during the course of the game that, that very easily could have, you know, given you a defeat. Now, in fairness, there are stuff that happens, there's stuff that happens all the time in NFL games that could have either won you or lost you the game, like random stuff that happens. So it's you got to be careful if you're digging too much into that. But nonetheless, 10 and 1, best record in the NFL, number one seed. And as Dave Zingara, who we just had on, pointed out, at that point, a lot of people are making the argument for Jalen to be the leader in the clubhouse as far as the MVP goes. So then uh, the wheels really, really come off. They're home against San Francisco and they get lit mm-hmm. up to the tune of 42 to 19. They, they go to Dallas and they're not competitive and it's 33 to 13. Then they go to Seattle and they lose um, 20 to 17. They escape the giants on Christmas and they lose to the Cardinals and the giants to close out the year. And then of course, 33 to the 32 to nine, excuse me, uh, against Tampa to end the season. So there there's, I want to kind of look at where the turning point occurred in your estimation. Was it as simple as, San Fran beat down, never recovered, almost like a, you know, a prize fight where, where a guy's never the same afterwards. Uh, is it Seattle 92 yard drive with a backup quarterback and then an ad libbed play by the QB and the, and the wide receiver that turns out to be an interception rather than getting yourself in field goal position. Is it the Cardinals game where you're up 21 to six at the half? At that point, you still had a shot at the number one seed. You still did. And then you lose 35-31. Is it the Giants game where they quit and just just mailed it in the last game of the season when it really signified? Like, what was it for you where you were like, 
If I look back now, that was it. Man, it's a, such a loaded question, right? It's it's you, you can point to so many things, and plus, in hindsight, you know, we can say, "Wow, these issues actually been permeating since week one." You know, so yeah. Um, if and, I had, and that's an answer too. That's an answer too. I mean, right, right, right. But also, they still were ten and one, right? So something was still going right, nonetheless. Sure, did they get a few breaks, but they were ten and one. Mm-hmm. So whatever they were experiencing that led to that ten and one. They had opportunities to repair it, right? But for me, I think if I'm being true to true to self, what comes to mind is that Bills game because it took a lot to get to that W. Mm-hmm. It took more than and it, it took more to get that W than probably give, they've given to any game they've won over the past two years. That game went that game went to overtime. It was rainy. It was a mess. It was sloppy. The, the 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 team was non-existent in the first half. Came alive in the in the second half somehow, some way. It just took a lot out of them. The defense played uh, uh, around ninety-five total defensive snaps. Um, some guys played over a hundred snaps because they played special teams as well, like Reed Blankenship, guys like that. So the, this team was put through the ringer in that game. Got the W, but it took a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think San Fran basically just put a wounded dog down and then the cowboys were just the pallbearers so um i think that's that was the genesis for their issues in terms of the downward spiral um but i think schematically technically their issues have been existent from the get-go from week one uh, but then i'll take a step further some would some people say well, yeah, you lose to the uh, Niners, you lose to the Cowboys. Okay, things happen. Remember, at that time, what did we blame it on? We blamed it on fatigue, mm-hmm. right? Even though we were distraught, we still blamed it on, well, you know, um, they had those two rough games against the Chiefs and the Bills. They had to play 70-plus, 80-plus, 90-plus snaps in those games. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that's hard to respond to. Um, you're on short notice with, with, with those with your opponents having 10 days plus rest. People were kind of leaning on that. So that was the silver lining. Ah, they're, they're tired. And then the Seattle game, as you mentioned. And I think that, in my opinion, was the final death blow that said to the Philadelphia Eagles fans, this team is not ready nor prepared. That's fascinating that that right. it would be a game that they win. <laughs> you know, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. And they're, it's almost there's almost a symbolic play. There's the Jordan Davis trying to chase down Josh Allen, which he actually made a good play. He forced him out of bounds before he could pick up a first down. And, and you remember at the time, we're like, damn, look at that dude. The hustle. Look at the hustle. Jordan Davis sold his soul for that. And that was it. <laughs> whatever we, whatever he had left was yeah, was, 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 was shot out never in that be, play. Never be heard from again after after that play. Oh, my God, man. It's like, a, um, like you said, you, you had a great example earlier. It's like a prize fight. It's like you just – you're in that final round and you're just – Hanging on by what you and I are big Rocky fans. Yeah, you're waiting for that bell, man. You're you're, yeah. you're just like just trying to survive. Remember, remember yeah. that scene with Apollo and Rocky? They were just hitting oh, each other. Oh, Rocky too. They're they're both out of gas, and they're, they're just, both just exchange. Nobody's moving. They're just swinging at each other. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, that's unbelievable. Um, so uh, that you know that's that's how I see it, right? I I feel like it was a trickle down effect. We can point to it's. It's so hard to pinpoint one particular moment in time yeah. because they're because they, they're so. They're so um, intertwined, but I think if I had to lock in on a, a moment, 
there was there was a, a deflating energy between Buffalo and San Francisco. Okay, I, I now I like that. So let me, I'll give you mine, and I think you you laid out a good case for that game. I'm going Seattle. Here's why. Okay. So you're coming off, I, I, in my opinion, two kind of understandable. You, you're coming off two understandable losses, like San Fran. It was they they've been obsessed with this Eagles game from Jump Street. As soon as they saw that they were playing them, circled on the calendar, blah, blah, blah. The Dallas game was a revenge game at the time. Dallas was playing just ridiculous at home. Those two were going to be tough. And and I, you know, if you lose those two games, you know you never like to lose, but I think it's a little bit understandable. What's not understandable is going into Seattle, and I get that that's a place they've struggled at. But mm-hmm. you're playing Drew Locke. Geno Smith's not even playing. Drew Locke's career backup. He's let's face it, he's going to have a long career holding a clipboard, and good for him, you know. But you, your punter drops one at the eight yard line, and they have no timeouts and a buck twenty four left. They should have never won that game. Oh my! When when you lay it out like that, they should have never won that game. I'm, I'm willing right. to argue if if you had shown the size defense in there, at least they know where to be. Correct. You know I mean? So exactly where I'm going. So this is, keep in mind, this is first Patricia game. We're watching Drew Locke have success during this drive, and you're saying, dude, first of all, don't ever leave Bradbury in any kind of single coverage under any circumstance. We're And, and it's unfolding, and you're saying to yourself, what's Patricia doing? What are these play calls, man? What is happening here? And eventually we get to the point where they're converting third downs. There were three plays on that drive, two of which an Eagle player had their hand on the ball. Do you remember the DK Metcalf? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was nasty. He caught that with his thigh. Right. That was nasty. Pick it off. Pick it off. There's one that's think, batted up in the air. Wasn't it in his hand? He just yes, didn't it, get, was, like, it was in Bradbury's hand. There's one that's batted up in the air, and I think it was Nicholas Morrow. I think it was Nick Morrow. Who yeah, almost you has a shot that. to pick it, right? That's not picked. All right, it, so it's like, so then as we're watching the drive unfold, I'm saying to myself, you're telling me this was the improvement, bringing this dude in? And then the creme de la creme. You have Smith Najigba in a in single coverage with mm-hmm. James Bradbury, and Drew Locke throws the ball of his life, by the way. the th- You couldn't drop it in a bucket better. But, it, but it, he's only... He's only beating the worst corner in football who should never be by himself. They score there as if that wasn't bad enough. Then the Eagles get the ball back and they're actually getting down the field. They're at their own 45 with, I think, 22 seconds left. And there's a play to be made. You have two guys underneath open that would have gotten you in field position for, in my opinion, a great kicker and a money kicker. And instead, that's when you decide at that juncture, you're going to ad lib a play. And, and Jalen throws, you know, an underthrown ball that's picked off. The safety comes over, makes the play and it's over. Instead of giving yourself a shot to get to overtime. And I just said to myself, you saw everything on full display there. You saw the defense unable to get a stop on a backup quarterback and let him go 92 yards. Yeah. You saw the new coordinator not know what he's doing. And then you see Jalen continuing to turn the ball over in big spots. Not to mention, and I didn't even bring this up, Tony. Earlier 
two block, two drives earlier, he underthrows Quez Watkins. Why you're throwing to Quez Watkins in a big spot, I have no idea still, which resulted in a pick. Everything in that game should have told you, holy shit, they're in trouble. <laughs> like everything. Everything should – it was all there on full display on both yes, sides of the ball. Seattle showed a lot. Yeah. Um, do you know what it is? The 49ers and the Cowboys exposed their, you know, their flaws talent-wise, and Seattle exposed their flaws um, mentality-wise. Yes, yes, yep. You know? Yep. And I think you bring a, you make a good point. The overreaction, removing Sean Desai from his position, why would you think that would be a, a great course of action in Week 15? Help me understand. Week 14, whatever it was. Yeah. No, no. That's what I mean. You're doing it that late. That late. Okay. So it is. And, it's, and then to make it even more annoying, you had the notion to do it at the bye week. Yeah. So why not do it then? Yeah. You, you're coming off the Dallas game, and I get you won that game, but you're coming off the Dallas game. Give yourself an extra week to get really acclimated with this guy. No, you don't do it then. You do it after, after the Dallas loss, which, by the way, like, if you really expected them to beat San Fran and Dallas, like, come on, let, let, let's be real about this. They weren't going to go 16 and one. You're going to lose right. some games, and those two were very likely lost kind of games. So that's when you scapegoat the side there, and then you throw Patricia in there. And, and every play, this is not you and I speculating. You had guys talking about it the other day, like, man, we didn't adjust to this. You know, like everybody to a man was, was saying, even Brandon Graham, who was like the array of sunshine. Okay, he's the most positive human being you'll ever be around. Talk about how difficult it was. So everybody's saying it. The timing of it was horrendous. You, you know, you committed to Desai, ride it out with Desai. Like, ride it out. And again, do I know? Can but I hold say on, wait, Rob. Was, yeah. You're saying ride it out, right? But from the beginning, they already hedged their bet. Right, because you, you, you immediately brought Patricia in. It, me, it, it didn't even take a seat. It didn't even take three games. They hired him before the season even started. Right. They, they, they hedged their bet. Everybody was in disarray asking, what is Matt Patricia doing here? What's his role? He wasn't on the team website. It took them forever to announce what he was doing. It was it was just a hot mess. So already you can make an argument the Philadelphia Eagles screwed their season before it even started. Yes. Right. Too too many cooks in the kitchen. Right. So, so I'm, you know, again – this is where it has to, this is where this stuff goes above and beyond Nick Sirianni if we're being real about this. This is where you know it, it, it's Jeffrey Lurie, it's Howie Roseman, it's the other decision makers that are a part of this thing. So that happens and then the Seattle game plays out that way and that that's frankly tone where and you know like we did the show and I would I would tell you if I thought they were going to win or lose and everybody in the chat would get mad at me and I'm a hater and this and that but I really started to get concerned about this team and, and, and kind of where things were. Now, I'll be I'll be frank. I thought they would respond against the Cardinals and the Giants. Same. I same. thought they'd get it going same. because they had too much heart and too much DNA of, of a championship team. And, and and the Cardinals game was a giant red flag like, dude, this really is off the rails. But again, everything that happened in that Cardinals game, we saw in Seattle. Yep. We saw in other we games, did. but we kept ignoring it because they were finding ways to win. We were ignoring it because we thought this team was made up of something deeper than what we deeper than what we've been given this year, right? That's 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 the the crux of this thing. Um, I think Dave Zengirl posed a very interesting question. Remember, you asked him what would be the first question that Jeffrey Lurie would ask Nick 
And he phrased it so beautifully. I don't want to butcher it, but why couldn't your basically what he asked was, why wasn't your culture able to pull you out of this? To withstand this or to, withstand or to, this, right? or to figure out a way to to, to right. change it or overcome it. Yep. Right, right. Sure, things are going to be going your way, but how come you couldn't rally these guys and keep them? In other words, how come how come you couldn't keep these guys locked in on the mission? Exactly. How come you how 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 weren't you able to keep these guys motivated for games that really mattered? Right. Right. The performance looked so bad from an effort standpoint. And this is where we go back and forth between player accountability and coaching accountability. And I think it's a it's one of the more complicated situations in with the with the Philadelphia Eagles because you say, okay, they're talented. Still, they should they 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 should, they should be putting up twenty six points, twenty seven points by accident, but then they're not even doing that. Yeah, you look at the coaching staff and you say, okay, you got all these pieces. How aren't you able to um, get these guys free releases off the line of scrimmage? Why why does AJ Brown or Devontae Smith have to always go above and beyond to beat their matchup? Why aren't they able to take advantage of mismatches like these other offenses? Why why are the Eagles behind the eight ball? So we're going to we're constantly going to go back and forth between player accountability. And coaching accountability but you know a lot of people always go back to you know jimmy's and joe's before x's and o's shout out right. to my guy shout out to my guy john mcmullen he put me no, on but that. i mean there is something uh, to be said for that but but when yeah. you get predictable with your jimmy's and joe's the other jimmy's and joe's can make plays too agreed yeah it doesn't matter jimmy's how talented and joe's you are. on both sides of the ball like rob look it doesn't matter how talented you are or how talented i am right if you and I are prize fighters and we're boxing and you and you and I'm telegraphing every punch that I throw, you're done. You got you 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 got me pegged. Hundred percent. You, you you got me down pegged. It doesn't matter what I do for playing basketball. If you know all my moves, you're gonna you're gonna well, strip me every single time. Tony, I'll, I'll break it down the most in in football terms. I think we'd all agree Patrick Mahomes is the most talented guy out there, right? Right. Does that mean Andy Reid doesn't have to put a game plan together? It's just Patrick. Patrick's better hey, than everybody else, man. Hey, Patty, just, just Patty, just Patty, you this. Yeah, just go make plays. No, it's not the way it works, okay? the Again, the, the guys on the other side get paid. They're talented. They're the best there is. And the defensive coordinators, th- these dudes figure things out, man. They figure you out. Rob, I'm going to ask you to dig deep into your history books with the Eagles. Yeah. Is this eerily similar to the Randall Cunningham, Buddy Ryan yes, days? It's a, so Buddy Ryan, for people who don't know, would say to Randall, Go out and make me five plays. If you make me five plays, the defense will do enough for us to win games. And Randall didn't have a good offensive line. Uh, Randall at times had good receivers. At times he didn't. Um, And it was a very rudimentary approach that the Eagles took to offense because they thought Randall was just so talented that he could go out there and make plays and save their bacon. And and, And a lot of times Randall did that. But when generally when you would get deeper into a season and for you know, you're in the playoffs, say against some really good teams. Guess what? They didn't have any success. You know why? Because those teams know, knew what was coming. And even as as talented as Randall was, and he was crazy talented, they were able to take away what he did best. And if you look at the, the they lost to the Rams and the and the then the Washington Redskins, that was their name back then. They lost to those two teams at home, and Randall didn't do much in those games. So like there were there was yeah, there is similarities, and I I just don't understand if you're Nick Sirianni, and part of the reason why you were brought in here was because you were cutting edge in terms of what you knew offensively. Like what's happened? Like I I tone. Here's what I believe. I don't I don't think Nick Sirianni's a lazy guy. But I think I think, he's I, think limited. A, I think he's I think there's two things. I think he's limited, 
And I think there's an arrogance that crept in. Like we rolled everybody last year. We started mm -hmm. off 10 and one. I don't want to hear how you didn't need to change things. Like he told Jeff McClain before the season started, just tweak what we do. Like, no dude, don't tweak what you do. Get creative, be ahead of the curve, have these teams on their heels and keep it, keep it real. I mean, yeah. like, typically, typically coaches that are really great at what they do, they get excited when, you know, they have an opportunity to, you know, to tweak and get creative with what they do. And, um, you know, but when I see Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and uh, Mike McDaniel and Kevin Stefanski and Matt LaFleur um, and Ben Johnson, uh, when I see, you know, when, when, when I see guys like that who are game planning their ass off and putting their receivers, regardless of talent, in the best position to succeed, getting guys free releases, moving guys in motion, um, just 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 being ultra creative. When I see guys like that doing their job, I can tell they're excited to put these players in these you know in these particular positions. I can tell they're excited to say, "Oh, I can't wait to see Amon Ross St. Brown run this route. This is going to be crazy. They're not right. going to they're, they're not going to see this coming." Nick Sirianni, where's your excitement for what you for what you do? Right? Where's your excitement for getting creative as you possibly can with uh, what you've been given? You have AJ Brown. Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, uh, DeAndre Swift. You got that offensive line, and you think you're going to just hinge all of that on just doing what you normally do? Get excited. Yeah. You know, get creative. You got these amazing pieces that you can just go balls to the wall with, and I, yet you still want to keep doing what you do best. And now yeah. it's become what you do worst. That's so, it. And, and this, Tony. things have to change here when you got guys this talented. You got to, you know, the Eagles are at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to motion. Right. Motion yeah. is where the league is. These yeah. coaches are getting these guys free releases and they're taking advantage of the fact that these defenders can't get can't, can't get too physical. They're like, why does A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard have to always win their matchup? Why is and, and, and it's it's embedded in, in the coaching, right? We we look at the defense, we look at the offense, and we say it's too much one on one going on. It's too much selfish um, football going on. But it's embedded in the game plan. It's I embedded know. in the coach's philosophy. Oh yeah, we trust our guys to win their matchups. No, we need to trust you to help make these guys a little bit better. And he did not do that. I remember, and this stood out to me, man. Like uh, it was like a lightning bolt. When the offense was struggling, and this was probably after either Seattle or maybe that Giants win. I, I It, it might have been after after that one, I think. Brian Johnson was asked, like, hey, you, you know, the offense doesn't appear to be the, the, the same one that it was last year. You guys just aren't. Everything seems to be like a labor, lab, laborious. Mm -hmm. And he, he said, and they asked him, um, you know, what do you need to do to change things up? He said, well, we need more chunk plays. And I'm like, no, you don't, man. I mean, obviously, would, would, you'd love to have deep shots. But, like, it just told me, like, this is what they are implanting in the Jalen's head. Like, mm -hmm. no, dude. How about you get more creative? How about you and Nick scheme it up a little bit better rather than let A.J. Brown go out there or Devontae go? Look, just tone. look at Monday night. I know they were with a without A.J. Brown. That's a big deal. But the offense was – Devontae, go make rid ridiculous plays for us. And he did the best that he could, but you had nothing else going on. It was Devontae Smith taking a ball away from two guys or, you know, you know, just being Devontae Smith. There was nothing else going on there. Mm -mm. Devontae was spectacular. Devontae ended that game with <clears throat> ended that game with eight catches on 12 targets, 148 yards receiving, 
he averaged 18.5 yards per catch. Longest catch of the day was 55 yards. He out of his eight catches, six of them resulted in the first down. He was the offense. He was the chain mover. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. This offense is too. Does it make sense? This offense is too player centric. Does yes. that make sense? Like they're yes. too they're too reliant on players putting on the Super Bowl. Where's the system as opposed Where's to Where's the machine? You know yeah. what we say, you know what we say about the Niners all the time? Damn, they're a well-oiled machine. Where's the machine in Philadelphia? Yeah. It's not there. Right. The, the, the simple answer is it's not there. And and, and that's that's also got to be part of this inquisition, you know, or whatever you want to call it. This this meeting that 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 Lori's having with uh with right. Nick. Hey, let, let me. This is not Eagles related, but sports related, and it's a bummer. And I don't know. This may be a generational thing, Tone. But when mm -hmm. I was a kid, I loved Sports Illustrated. It was it was one of the things I asked for for Christmas for my parents was to get me a subscription because I so I would get it every week. And I and I love the cover. Yeah, I love the. When I was a kid. The commercials for Sports Illustrated because you know they were infomercials. And um, yeah. when, at least when I was a kid, early two thousands, uh, seeing those things pop up on TV, and I always wanted them. Um, my mom told me no. <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> because was, uh, my mom did at the time. My mom didn't believe in ordering stuff on TV. So right, no, no. But so I, so I loved, I loved Sports Illustrated. Okay, yeah. it was like my when it arrived. I was like, oh. So anyway, Sports Illustrated's over. They've laid off their entire staff. You mean um, you mean the 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 physical um, brand or just the entire I company has... online as well? Yeah, it's all done. Um, as in si.com all that stuff yeah the whole nine um and it's it stinks I, and i hope whoa yeah um they we know they, we know we know some guys that work for them yeah wow yeah it's a bummer man i and i love i absolutely i loved sports illustrated and and i and again they still have people who are brilliant at what they do that are still doing it there even though they've been They've lost a lot of people over the years. And I know people don't read magazines like hard copy stuff anymore. Same as newspapers. I get it. Uh, but I guess the, the financial model, whatever, even online uh, was not cutting it. Illustrated is iconic. How can yeah. somebody sweep in and buy it and flip it? You know what I mean? I don't yeah. understand. The, uh, like, the, in, the, in my opinion, what Bleacher Report is now, like in my opinion, Bleacher Report is Sports Illustrated on steroids. Yeah. The um, – the arena group, I guess, who own them has given notice that it intends to lay off uh, Sports Illustrated's entire staff, according to an email obtained by front office sports. Damn. So I, I hope something changes. I hope there's something that that, that comes down, um, you know, but that's a bummer for, for people who are are big fans of sports. It was um, something that was a big deal every year, man. Uh, every, I mean, every every week. So does that mean no more? Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions. That is correct. That's that's also a, a tough loss. I did the same thing, Sills. I, I would cover my walls with their covers. There was a great couple, like when I was a kid, Randall uh, cover shots. And I remember when Dr. J was retiring, they had this really cool shot of him. Uh, you know, just, just stuff like that. It, it's, it's a bummer, man. That's too bad. Yeah, that's a loss, you know, for sure. Yeah, you're still getting over the the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's you know it's um that one's sad. No, four four forty out for that one, man. There there are just so many smart young ladies who are missing out on yeah, golden man. opportunities to put on their college resumes. Yep, 
Yep. It's, it's, it's yep. You know, it's. I know. <sighs> it's a bummer, dude. Yes. I remember when I, again, I go back to my, my young teenage days. L McPherson. You want to talk about OG strong? That was L <sighs> McPherson, man. On, on the, on the sports illustrated cover. And then, wow. and then you fast forward to the Kate Upton's and the, yeah, Brooklyn Deckers. All right. Anyway, but I let me. I hey, need to, hey, I need to dial hey, back hold, in. Hold, hold your horses. Last time I checked, your wife is still working from home. That's a good hold, question. That's hold, good. Hold, hold your horses. <laughs> All right. Let's hit a break. Uh, let's come back. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover when we get back. So we're going to dive into the divisional round games, Stone. We have four games this weekend, two tomorrow and two on Sunday. And we'll get into both of those games uh, when we come back. And again, we hear anything with the interview here. What, what are you? Is it in an interview? It's not really an interview. It's a, it's an it's an exit interview at least, right? <laughs> Dang. At least we got sports tells you body issue. Yeah, no thanks. Oh um, my god, that's hilarious. All right, so we'll we'll hit it real quick. We'll come back. We'll look at the games this weekend. Uh, don't go anywhere. Tone to Shields, Rob Ellis, Sports Day, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Pro Action Restoration. Yes, Pro Action Restoration. If you have a home, you have a business. You have a property that you own and you go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, mold damage. You know how challenging that can be, right? But Pro Action Restoration, they are the people. That's what they do, okay? And they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. You know, I went through it, um, geez, a couple months ago. And it was it was, it was was harrowing, man. It was a pain in the butt. And we had a, you know, water damage to our house and they handled it great. I mean, they they... They fixed the problem first and foremost. They came in and I had damage to a wall, to a ceiling, to my carpet, and they took care of all of it. Um, and they'll help you out as well. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. Again, it could be water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it. They can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760. That's 610 610- 623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis, Tone to Shields, hanging out with you. Hey, Tone, uh, not it's not a movie. It's I believe it's three parts, but a suggestion, something I watched uh, last night. It's called An American Nightmare. Is I, I heard about that. I saw, um, you know, how on Netflix they have the um, yeah, the, preview, the trailers. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I saw, I saw that. Well, what is that about? It pulled me in, uh, and that's that's what I did last night. I'm like, oh, let me check this out. Um, so the gist of it is it happened, I want to say 2014 or 15. So it's pretty, you know, not crazy, uh, distant, but pretty recent. Um, there was, I don't want to give too much away, but there was a man and a woman, uh, whose house was broken into in the middle of the night and she was kidnapped. Okay. And all I'm going to say beyond that is the man and the woman were put through hell by um, the public, law enforcement, the FBI. Um, As if the, they staged it or something like that? Correct. Yeah. And I, so I, I don't want to give, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but um, it's good. You finished it's three it? parts. Yeah, it's three parts and, it, and it's probably two hours total in length, something like oh, that. Okay, 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 okay. I can't that's, remember that's how long, bad. but it's good, man. It's good. So if you guys hey, are looking for something to watch, check it out. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's a it's, a, it's, a, it's an older movie, maybe early two thousands, maybe mid to early two thousands. Uh, Mystic Mystic River. You ever seen that? Oh, oh yeah, with Sean Penn. Sean Penn and oh. Kevin Bacon, Lawrence Fishburne. Dude, I, I, I watched movie. that recently. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood directed it. Clint Eastwood directed it exactly. I watched that recently. Sean Penn's performance was spectacular. St- magnificent how about the scene uh, it's sad but how about the scene where he finds out it's his daughter that was the one that was killed yeah. in the and that scene, was, that oh scene was powerful that scene was that was such a powerful scene yeah man and sometimes you ever watch because i believe a good movie suspends my disbelief right that's you know that's how i know you're good when i'm able to just fully immerse myself into yeah, this you're in movie. that you're the characters like you're yeah, yeah. you're in that that time period or that neighborhood or, or whatever where it's happening yeah i sat with myself for watching that scene and i'm thinking to myself how many takes did that did that require yeah because yeah. it was that just seemed so organic so real so i don't think you could have acted any 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 more real than that 
Well, it's it's another, and maybe this is what sparked you thinking of this. It, it, it's a let's face it, and I'm I don't care about spoiler alerting this that the movie's like 20 years old, but everybody thought Tim Robbins was the guy, including Sean Penn, and Tim Robbins wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, careful what we the whole time. Tim Robbins, yeah, that's my guy from Shawshank Redemption. Correct. And that was yeah. on late last night. I couldn't sleep last night. I'm like, that was on like really late. And you're I gonna la- you're gonna laugh at this. And I know we're off the rails, uh, yeah. Eagles fans, but um, yeah. you're gonna laugh at this. Whenever I can't sleep, <laughs> whenever I can't sleep, I watch King of the Hill. I put on King of the Hill from uh, <laughs> remember that? Why, yeah, why does that why does that help you fall asleep? <laughs> because, because, because it's such a it's such a deadpan show. And, and and Hank Hill is such a deadpan character. Yeah. Like, I love anything from Mike Judge, by the way, who was yeah. also the creator of, of Beavis and Butthead, but he also did Office, Office Space. Space. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant guy. I don't know what it is about that show. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. It's hilarious, but it's but it's but it's boring enough that I fall asleep. But it's but okay. but it's funny to me. It's weird. It's it's hilarious, but it's boring. And I like yeah, it. I, I so I I put on HGTV and it puts me to sleep in a good uh, way. I, and I enjoy it. HDTV is my escape from sports, and I'll just watch House Hunters or what Fixer Up, whatever that whatever that stuff is on. That's but dope. it also late night helps me fall asleep when I put it on too. So oh man! Um, but oh, yeah, so I, I believe they originally. Sling oh, sling, are you kidding me, man? I haven't seen sling. Oh Dude, my god! Billy Bob is freaking brilliant. French fried potatoes. French fried potatoes. Uh, <laughs> they put me in a nervous hospital, but. Uh, he, he so I believe on Mystic River, somebody else was originally the director. I think I'm doing this off the top of my head. I didn't even look okay. it up when you brought it up. And then I think they had to halt production and Eastwood came in and crushed, like according to all the people on on, on one site. of my favorite scenes from that movie. And again, I know we're off on a tangent, you guys, but it's Friday. Relax. Um one of my favorite scenes in that movie, outside of the one we mentioned with Sean Penn. Kevin Bacon and Lawrence Fishburne were walking down the hallway after they got finished speaking with Sean Penn and his wife, right? Yeah. And um, Lawrence Fishburne says to Kevin Bacon, hey, I could tell that guy been in the pen. Just look at the shoulders. Uh-huh. Right? He says they're all hunched up and everything. Yeah, and, yeah. And Kevin Bacon says, well, I mean, his daughter just got murdered, man. I mean, maybe that's what you're seeing. He said, no, no. That that what you're talking about, that's the stomach. <laughs> the shoulders, that's yeah. prison. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, yeah, it's, man. It was something about that scene. No that holds hard. That yep. hit me like a brick, and I mm-hmm. loved it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Lawrence Fishburne fan, by the way. So maybe it was that, Same. but just Same. the way he leaned into that Boston accent, I just love that scene. It's all listen, the shoulders, okay? Yeah. That that feeling you lose your daughter, that's the stomach. Yeah. What you're seeing right there, that's the prison. That's the shoulders. We gotta watch him. That's true, <laughs> man. All right, I'll get all right. All time Lawrence Fishburne to me, it's Boys in the Hood. I, I, I mm. that's that's number one. Everything's playing for second place. Mm-hmm. Where, he doesn't where, where? get he he doesn't get this role doesn't get talked about enough. And it's a remake, but it was a good remake. Okay. Uh ooh. Oh, did I just forget that fast? I almost said the taking of Pelham one, two, three. Not no, that. that's um uh that's that, not him, right? No, no, that's that's John Travolta and um and um Denzel Washington. Denzel. What, that's right. What's what's the movie with Ethan Hawke, Lawrence Fishburne, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne is a criminal, and he's yeah. in he's in a, he's in a, he's in the prison cell. Somebody on the chat will have it. Someone help me out. Lawrence Fishburne, Ethan Hawke. What's the name of the movie? I totally forgot. I know I'm blanking. Um, on that. It, it was a blizzard, and they were coming to. Oh my god, I gotta find it. 
I got yeah, they'll, they'll, somebody will get it in the chat. All right, you want check on it? Check on it right now and see what see what it is. Deep deep cover was good deep, by the way. Deep That's cover was good. Movie. Deep cover was good. Uh, uh, thank you, John. Yeah, he's right. Um, assault on precinct thirteen. Oh, That's okay. Yep, yep. Assault on precinct thirteen. Good call. That's good a call. hell of a movie. No, I think you, he's good in I appreciate any, it. I, I think he's good in anything he's in. Uh, first of all, yeah. but uh, and he's Morpheus? been around a long time. Matrix, Morpheus, like. Yeah. What? You know what else was on last night? Gladiator, too, as I was flipping around. But anyway, all right. But yeah. hey, hey, Rob, I, I think I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Show me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Yeah, he was in Apocalypse Now, too. He was a kid. He was a teenager in Apocalypse Now. People have some good calls here in, in the chat. Um, oh, yeah, man. Right. I, listen, you guys are fun, man. You guys are haven't good seen movies. Apocalypse Now, Tone, it's, it's whoa, man. That's a classic. Yeah, they remade so. that and it was super long. I mean, I remade oh, it, but they, they, they came out with, not yeah. remade it, but they, they came out with an extended version because that movie's already long. Oh, some with. director cut stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think the because the originals were like two two hours plus three hours, something yes. like that. Yeah. The the extended version is like damn near four hours. Jeez. Okay. That's part of your day. That's a session. <laughs> like that's like you better you better devote time to that, man. If you if you're if you're going that that in. Uh all right, divisional round games this weekend. Let's start with tomorrow's games. First game, Texans at the Ravens. Ravens are nine and a half point favorites. That's a 430 kickoff. Second game is Packers 49ers. 49ers are nine and a half point favorites. Also 815 start. Let's let's go back to the Texans uh, and the Ravens. In your estimation, Ken Houston, who's coming off a really good win over Cleveland, but can Houston hang with them on the road this time? in Baltimore, who's well-rested. Now, it, it's looking like, by the way, let me pass this along. It looks like Mark Andrews will not be activated yet. They're hoping to buy him another week with that ankle injury. So, uh, you know, that's definitely one less weapon. But they've operated pretty decently without him um, to, to close out the season. But where do you where do you see that one going? How do you see that playing out? I think Houston, I think Houston can hang with him. And another thing that um, isn't getting talked about, Marlon Humphrey is out. They're stark yeah, corner. That's a really big one. That's a big loss. So no Mark Andrews, no Marlon Humphrey, no Devin Duvernay at wide receiver. Um, one of your linebackers, uh, Delashawn Phillips, is questionable with a shoulder. Um, look, this is this this is going to be a really really good game. And you know, we I think yesterday we talked about which one which one's more exciting, right? Bills, Chiefs versus Lamar, or versus Ravens, uh, Texans. And you know, I obviously lean more towards Chiefs Bills because of the history. Um, we had Jason Cole on the National Football Show yesterday, and uh, we asked him kind of a similar question. And he was like, well, you know, we kind of already seen Mahomes, Allen plenty of times. We know what that is. But but Stroud, Jackson, that's new. I'm I, I'm interested in that. Yeah. So that's a you know, that's a great point by him. And overall, I think that game is going to be. I think that game is going to be back and forth. It's going to be I think aggressive. Houston keeps it close, man. I would grab the nine and a half points. I think Houston does keep it close. And also, listen, the Ravens should be on upset alert. Houston's playing with house money. They're in their coach very well. The way the way their OC gets guys open, right? The mm-hmm. like it's you know what's so funny? Watching play watching the other playoff games made watching the Philadelphia Eagles that much more frustrating. I agree. Because with you, it exposes because when you're when you're at that level, right? When you're in the playoffs, now it's more focused. Now you can now you can you can catch every single game and not miss a beat. Watching all those games made me realize how far the Philadelphia Eagles are. 
I, I look, I agree. You, especially, I think it especially bothered me watching the teams like the up and cut, like like watching Houston, watching Detroit. Uh, you know those teams and watching and, Green Bay do what they did to Dallas Green Bay with, really with a bunch of kids. Yeah, like, like and I'm sitting there saying, this just looks stale from the Eagles. These other these others are are you just bought it? You're opening up like, oh my God, these chips are incredible. With the Eagles, you're like, dude, have these been mm. laying out for days and weeks. Like, right. Ugh. That's what it felt like why, why, sit, trying to get through that game. It was just absolutely it was just garbage. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think ultimately Baltimore wins the game, but I think Houston will surprise people and stay in it. I Here's the other thing. Okay. I, what I love about C.J. Stroud is I just don't feel like he's going to be overwhelmed um, by the moment, where I think a lot of other rookies would just be swallowed up by having to go on the road and play against the number one seed. I don't. I don't see that with him. He looks he looks in total control. And I think I think that's what I love about his game so much. He he just appeared from the from the beginning to be in total command of his skill set, knowing his limitations and being in total command of the offense. You saw that team just getting more and more confident as the season went along. I'm gonna play contrarian today, and I'm gonna say Houston wins that game narrowly. I'm gonna play Houston contrarian today. Yeah, I'm gonna play contrarian today, and I'm gonna say Houston wins that game narrowly. Whoa, man. Number one seed mm-hmm. knocked off in the AFC. Houston's listen, it had, it, it, it's happened before when Lamar Jackson okay. had his kind of opportunity. So um uh I, I I got Houston going to the AFC championship. Damn. Okay. All right. I'm not taking it that he, far. He, I th- Houston Houston Bills AFC championship. Book it. Uh, okay. Okay. All Houston right. Buffalo. Okay. You will get absolute props on, on Monday if that's the way this plays. Um, all right, let's go to the later game Saturday. Let's go Packers 49ers. Again, big point spread again. Uh, 8-15 start time. Packers feeling great about themselves coming off the Cowboys win. 49ers like the Ravens are coming off a bye. They're, they're healthy. There's no issues. McCaffrey's practicing with the calf. Uh, I don't think they have any other really major injuries right now. Um, and, and Green Bay goes in pretty healthy also. How do, you, how do you see that one uh, shaking up? Yeah, I see the 49ers winning that game. Um, Green Bay is going to make it interesting for the first quarter and a half. Uh, I just think uh, San Fran is just going to just lay it on them. But also with these young teams, Houston and Green Bay, they're so young um, in terms of just their success recently. I just think – I just I just don't think I – don't, I don't think Green Bay can just hang with the Niners. They're, they're, they're too buttoned up. Yeah. They're too buttoned up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also uh, it goes. Also, the, the the Green Bay can they make Purdy uncomfortable? We'll find out. It's good. Listen, the fact that these teams made it to this point now, they believe they can get. Now they believe they can make it. That's that. That's that's the part that that's awesome, right? Green Bay, Houston. Now they have belief. True. They knocked off some real opponents. Houston knocked off Cleveland's defense, and, and nobody thought either one would be where they are. Let's right. Let's Green Bay knocked off Dallas and Jerry World and 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 Dallas. Uh-huh. So when you when you when you put those kind of pelts on the wall. Your confidence through the roof. Now you fear no one. Well, that's what I'm. If I'm Matt Lafleur, that's what I'm hammering home all week. Like, hey guys, we just went into Dallas. They, Dallas doesn't lose at their place. We not we know we went in there and we trucked them. So mm-hmm. have no fear. You know, wherever we go, we travel well. Um, I I think that is the key. Can can Green Bay's defense curb this this unbelievable offense from the Niners? That that's really what it amounts to. Like I feel like Green Bay is going to do some things in terms of being able to to maybe move the ball and score a little bit because I feel like Jordan Love's in a good place right now, and Matt LaFleur's a really smart schemer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they'll hang. I, I think this is a Niners game, ultimately. Yeah. I think the, the chalk 
you know, holds out here, but you know, and again, I just want to see how green Bay shows up in the game. Uh, that, yeah. That's, well, yeah you know, what makes green Bay so interesting, um, even more so Jordan love, you see the progression as the season goes, you see him, you see the game slowing down for him each and every week. You saw, you saw the progression. That's what you like. That's what you like to see or love to see a guy. You clearly see the, he's just chipping away, chipping away. It's awesome, man. Yeah, I agree. I, I, the future is very bright there for sure. All right, let's go to Sunday. Let's go to the early game. Bucks at Lions. We know what the Bucks are all about. Uh, and the Lions won a, a really fun one on Sunday night uh, over the Rams. The Lions are six and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I feel really strong about a side, but I'll get your take on it first. Ooh, okay. I'm loving Detroit. I'll, I'll just tell you. I think Detroit handles their business. I think I think Tampa's going to be exposed. I think it's going to make Eagles fans feel even worse because they're going to say we lost to this team. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the Bucks get get exposed in this game. I think Detroit puts it on them. I, I like Detroit here. Yeah, um, I think Detroit. I think Detroit just wins this game outright. I got. To, I, I think Detroit wins this game by at least ten points. Um, I just think they're. I just think they're significantly better, and they're going to expose how limited Tampa Bay really is. And show how bad the Eagles really are. So, um, yeah, I got the trouble in that game handily. Yeah, I, I, I like, um, I like them advancing, and I'm not sure it's all that close. All right, let, let's go to the night game here, six thirty on Sunday. This is, yeah, obviously, this is the two heavyweights here, and they've had such a history in the playoffs. Chiefs at the Bills. The only difference here, Tone, is this game is usually being played in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. This game is being played in Buffalo. It's the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, non Super Bowl that he's playing a road game, even if you want to consider a Super Bowl a road game. Right. Uh, so he's in Buffalo for this game. I, I I think they're okay with snow, but I think it's going to be, you know, bitter cold again. But both teams are kind of used to the bitter cold, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, Buffalo's minus three. What do you think of that? I'm rolling with Buffalo in this game. I think I, I, I feel like Buffalo has, you know, they, they've re, revived their season. There's There's been a resurgence. I think they have full belief now. Uh, I feel like they've gotten healthier. Defense is clicking. Josh Allen is playing his best football. He's not forcing things. He's taking what they give him. I like Buffalo. What about you? I like Kansas City, man. I, I, I and I'm a big fan of. I, I would. I let me put it this way. I'm rooting for Buffalo. I want to see Buffalo win. I, I, I want to see Sean McDermott and Josh Allen and that crew who has gotten and Stephon Diggs who has gotten so close finally get over the hump. So I would like to see them. I in, fr- in fact, I'd like to see them win the whole thing. I would. And I would like for that town, because I think they're just a town that, that's been, you know, dumped on. They obviously got the four Super Bowls back in the day with Jim Kelly and that crew, whatever. So I'd like to see them win it. I think Kansas City's hitting their stride at the right time. I think they figure something out with Rasheed Rice. He he Mahomes really has a go-to guy on, on top of Kelsey. Pacheco runs like a like a man. Madman. He, oh, he, he, he he runs like his feet is on fire. Quite, dude, quite that literally. guy. He runs fearless. Like you're every. I don't care. He's smaller, but you make a business decision every time you decide to tackle him because he wants to punish you. So I like what's going on there, and I've liked their defense all year. You know, they're not just Chris Jones and a bunch of guys. Like their young mm-hmm. defensive backs have developed. Um, they're playing well. Look, and, and here's the thing: Buffalo is a different team with 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 Joe Brady calling plays. And it, it, here's what it's going to come down to, Tone, and I'm not breaking any news for you here. Josh Allen stays clean. I think Buffalo wins. 
If Josh Allen turns the ball over, I think Kansas City wins. Yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah, it it definitely could come down to that. If if, if Josh Allen plays a clean game, that's how good he is, right? If he he plays a clean game, they win that game, in my opinion. Um, Real quick, though, before we go to break, just based off the teams that are left, what's your – and I'm not locking you in anything, yeah, but what's your what's what's your Super Bowl matchup right now? Who do you have making it? Um, and, and, and again, it's fluid. I'm not locking you into this, so I'm gonna go Niners Chiefs. Mm, Niners Chiefs, yeah. No, see, I, I, see, I got Niners Buffalo. Okay, okay. And I think I, I got Niners Buffalo, and I think Buffalo wins it all. I hope you're right. I would love to see that happen. Um, I'd love to see the Niners get upset, but mm-hmm. I, if I'm if we keep it real here. I don't see a team in the NFC that's even close. I put it to this way: if the Niners get upset, the Super Bowl winner will be in the AFC. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I I give credit to look. I love what Dan Campbell's done with the Lions. I give Goff a lot of credit. Hey, props to, to Todd Bowles and Mayfield for getting as far as they got. Packers. It's been a nice story. I don't think anybody's even close to the Niners. I think the the AFC is a little bit more up in the air in my estimation mm-hmm. um, because I think the Ravens are really good, but I don't think they're unbeatable. Um, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Niners chiefs and you got Niners bills, bills winning it all. Okay. All right. We'll see how it plays out, man. All right, let's get one in. Let's come back. We'll continue with the NFL talk. We'll tell you about some coaching movement. I gave you the latest on Belichick. Again, if we hear anything on, on the Lori Sirianni meeting, we'll pass that along also. So we got uh, another hour of the program rolling your way. Don't go anywhere. Tone to shields, Rob Ellis. We are sports state Jacob sports YouTube network. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. They are an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. Uh, they offer cost, excuse me, cost-effective solutions to any tree problems that you may face, and they are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. You could go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We are back. Appreciate you hanging with us. Uh, we roll into the final hour of the program. That's Tony and Rob. We're Sports Take. Let's hit the like button, friends, if we could. All right, so let me update you on a couple things here, Tone. Uh, no word on anything Eagles-wise uh, in terms of the, the the meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and Nick Sirianni. Again, we get anything, we'll pass that right along. Okay. So uh, the latest on Bill Belichick. Uh, Diana Rossini's been all over a lot of things uh, for the athletic, including the Eagles uh, stuff. But she said the Atlanta Falcons – have Bill Belichick as their top candidate, flying him into Atlanta on one of Arthur's pri- Arthur Blank's private planes last night. Ooh. It, yeah. Dinner last night, more meetings to come per multiple sources. That feels like that's a matter of time. You know, that, that feels like that, should, that. Hey, man, that's what the big boys do. They, they, they fly in on their jet and. One of these days, Rob, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to fly you down to Texas on you know on, on my private jet, Thank man. You. One of these days. Don't forget the the little people tone when you when you make it big. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, and I want strictly caviar and uh, on champagne uh, on the on, oh, on the floor. Oh, oh, oh no! Listen, Rob, we keep a hood, man. We go on McDonald's on the private jet. You know what I mean? I, keep- then then good. <laughs> Give me some some Mickey D's, and I it want was- so I want some uh, Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Orange oh Jubilee. All right. That's how that's how we're rolling. All right. Oh my God. Thank you. Rob, um, you, Rob you're a dirty dog, man. I'll trust you're, me. You're, you're, no, you're a mad dog. That's well, what I'm a mad doing. dog. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> so the the other, and this is Matt Lombardo, who we've had on the show. This is interesting, uh, Tony. Oh my um, God. That was funny. He seems to think that if Belichick gets the Falcons job, he might go Kirk Cousins route as a free agent. Interesting. Yeah, I, I might. Maybe that's a thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I, I here's what I would do. Short term, Kirk Cousins, draft a guy, let him sit and, and learn as quarterback. Maybe, maybe. Just mm. fun. Just that implies fun. that implies Belichick is trying to he's, he's trying to he's trying to go to the grave on the football field. Like he's, he's not, you know what I mean? Um, I think he is a, you know, he's a lifer. Take him out in a box, dude. If you know uh-huh. what I'm saying. Like I don't, I don't think he's looking to be on a beach. I, I think he's a, just a grinder, you know, football twenty four seven, you know, three sixty five. Mm. To, to you know, names from our shows, yeah, exactly right. Um, I think a uh, that actually doesn't sound like a bad idea. Bring in Kirk Cousins on a two year, a, yep. a two a two year. Yeah, you pay him well, whatever. Ninety, but had- a two year maybe ninety 
million dollar contract fully guaranteed so it doesn't really influence your interest. might be able to get him cheaper coming off the torn achilles maybe you might be able to get a cheaper coming off the achilles. That's, that's a good point you might be able to get him cheaper so what because uh, uh, th- 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 70 to your 70 i don't know mm, nah, maybe, I think, maybe I, i'm low ball i think i think i think kurt i think kurt is getting uh kurt is getting 45 million minimum yeah I think he's going to get around. I think he's going to get around forty-three to forty-five million per year, especially coming off the ACL tear. Yeah. So I think that's reasonable, especially especially if they fully guarantee it. I'll bite at that. Yeah. I, all right. So that, let, let's see what happens there. But that one, that's the. I I feel like tone by this by by the time we're we're back Sunday. I think that one's a done deal. I think mm-hmm. I think Belichick's done. All right. So yeah, and and watch once he once he takes once he takes that job, you're gonna start seeing all these names coming to the pipeline. Watch. I agree. I agree because because I I think teams are waiting to see. Okay, who gets paid what? Right. Who drops the first? You know, who drops the first uh, domino? Yep. And and watch. You're gonna start seeing all these coaches. Vrabel to go over here. Pete Carroll over here. Harbaugh to here. Watch. It's gonna just flying down. Nick Sirianni's future is this. You know, it's gonna it's gonna fly down. I also thought this was really cool. Uh, Les Snead is the GM for the Rams, and he was doing his sort of like season wrap-up m- meeting with the media uh, via Zoom. And unprompted, the first five minutes of his meeting with them uh, was praising Raheem Morris and saying, you know, this guy should be hired as a head coach. Uh, and he went out of his way to go to bat for him. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's a, it's awesome. a classy move. And Ryan, Ryan Morris, he had an opportunity, I think, years ago when he coached the Bucks, right? He was years really ago. young. But he was yeah. young. He was young, you know, and of course, what can you expect? Right. So um second time around a block, I think he'll I think he'll be a great head coach somewhere. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um Mike Tomlin basically, and he wasn't saying it like in, in an arrogant way, just basically saying, Hey, look, I, I expect uh we'll get this thing done. I'll be extended. I'm not going anywhere. I'm rejuvenated. We'll keep this rolling. Uh, I'll be in Pittsburgh for a thousand years, like I've already been. So he, he you know, he's yeah. the whole the whole news surrounding his him leaving Pittsburgh was just totally moot. Like I'm like, that's not even how Pittsburgh does business. They believe in stability. They believe in consistency. They believe in um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're very prag. They're, they're very pragmatic, right. right? Yeah. So, so uh that all all that stuff was just you know slow news day. I wasn't paying any of that kind of stuff anymore. Mike Tomlin's not he is Pittsburgh. You know he's not going anywhere. I agree. I agree. All right, Bills. Let's just circle back to the game we were talking about a little bit earlier with the Bills and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have some injuries. Tone. Um, they ruled out four players. Uh, this came down a little while earlier. They ruled out four players. Uh, Gabe Davis is not going to play with a neither receiver. Whoa. Taylor Rapp, their safety, is out with a calf. Balin Specter, their linebacker, is out with a back. And Diggs Christian is questionable. Uh, who is? Diggs. He's questionable. Diggs. Yeah, but they think Diggs is going to play. Uh, okay, Christian okay. Benford, who is a a, a corner, uh, I believe that's a Nova kid too. Uh, he is out with a knee. That's uh, that's significant. Mm. That's significant. Yeah. Yeah. This is a. Uh... And and Russell Douglas could miss uh, the game with a knee as well. Oh damn! They brought him in too to fill in for uh, what was it, Tre'Davious White that went out? Yeah, they're 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 that's a lot of real injuries. Their defense has been hanging on by a thread. Um, yeah. but here's the, here's the upside: the fact that that uh that Chiefs offense with those weapons, there's not too many guys you got to really key in on. So maybe that can help. I don't know, but overall, 
man, it does it changes things, but especially not having Gabe Davis. But I think that kid, uh, what is it? Is it is it is it Dawson Kincaid or is it Dawson Knox? Which, oh, which Dawson Knox is the vet. Kincaid's the rookie. That Kincaid's the rookie. He's yeah, really yeah. coming on. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, and also um, Joe Brady. Um, he's been incorporating the running backs in the passing game a lot. So I think I think it's going to be a all hands on deck approach. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So uh, a couple other things here. Um, the uh, Bill O'Brien, who was previously this past year, the Patriots offensive coordinator, he was the Texans head coach. He was the head coach at Penn State, but he worked a long time under Belichick as his OC and quarterbacks coach, et cetera. He's taking the offensive coordinator job at Ohio State. So he's going back to college uh, mm. to work with Ryan Day. Ryan Day is going to turn over play calling, apparently, uh, to Bill O'Brien. Now, Bill O'Brien also worked in Alabama and, you know, really did a great job down there with Bryce Young and, and a lot of other guys. So he knows the college landscape very well also. So he goes to Ohio State. Okay. And, of course, he was out of a job after Belichick uh, left, parted ways. So the Cardinals, the fun continues in the desert. So they have fired their CFO – Two vice presidents, 10 people in total uh, have the Cardinals. And this was kind of right after they were moving out of their old facility where they all were to a new one. And they had all these people packing up thinking they were moving. Mm-hmm. And then they were told they were gone. So what that, the that, hell? That's got to be fun. Yeah, that, that's got to be a good Come time. Come on, man. Yeah. Arizona is a are hot we su- mess. Are we surprised by this, man? No, they're a hot mess. No pun intended, man. They're just... They're 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 terrible. They're just terrible. Why did we lose to them? I know. Oh my god. I know. Uh, oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Uh, all right. So a couple other things. Um, Mike McCarthy says, "Look, buy into us. I won a championship in my fifth year in Green Bay. Uh, I'm heading into my fifth year now in Dallas. I'm not worried about my contract, even though I'm heading into the last year of my contract." Um, I came here to win a championship, not think about contracts. Hey, man. Look, I, I was one of the people that felt like he, he should have been brought back. Because, again, I feel like what holds them back is not Mark McCarthy related. Mm-hmm. I think they have a culture issue that holds them back. And I don't know if he – I don't think he's the one to fix it. And I don't, and I definitely don't think he's going to make it worse. Yeah. I don't think anybody can fix it. That's yeah. something that they have to fix internally. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, again – under Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott had his best year of football. We we we've never seen Dak Prescott look as sharp as we've seen him. He did so. Um, yeah, he he deserved to be back in my opinion. But plus, last year the contract, ride it out. Who who, who are you going to hire? All right. Uh, did you? Re- I didn't realize this. If you had to guess off the top of your head, now that Detroit won, Detroit had, Detroit had gone thirty two years without winning a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Who would you say? What team would you say has the longest streak of not winning? A playoff game. Dallas. No, no, a lot. A lot. I'm sorry. A lot. I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna say not longer streak longest streak without a playoff win. It's not going to the Super Bowl, just winning a playoff game. Um, let's say the Jets. Is it the Jets? It's not the Jets, it's a team in the Jets division. Miami? You know, Miami hasn't won a playoff game in 23 years. What? They have not won a playoff game in 23 years, the Miami Dolphins. Damn. I ain't know things were that bad down in the, uh, yep. the South Beach. I had no mm-hmm. idea. 
Oh well, so where the cookie crumbles, man? Um, yep. listen, some people listen. Some people get the uh, you know, the right side of things. Some people don't. Yeah. Um. So. All right. So NFL. Let me give you some numbers here for how the wild card round went, uh, ratings wise. According to the Sports Business Journal, the six games from the first round of the playoffs averaged 31.3 million viewers. That's mm-hmm. up from 28.8 last year. Um, yeah. The, the risk the, keep getting the, richer. I know. The 2015 postseason, which had only four games in the wild card round back then, and they were all on free TV. You remember the games uh, Saturday night was on Peacock, mm-hmm. drew 32.6. So it's the highest rated uh, since 15. Almost you know nine years or whatever for them to draw that many people and it's on Peacock, that's respectable. Yep, that's really respectable. I, 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 I'm curious to know the exact amount of people they have for the Peacock one, but that's that's pretty cool. Pretty amazing, right? The uh, the Cowboys Packers beat down uh, Packers beat down of the Cowboys racked up forty million uh, viewers at one point. That's how you want it. You want it, you 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 want you want that ass beating to be broadcast on the world <laughs> scale. That's exactly how you want it. Yeah, correct. Uh, that is correct. Uh, um, uh, so I'm petty, Rob. Don't mind me. I'm petty. Don't mind me. No, I, I no, I feed into pettiness when it comes to the Cowboys. Okay, please. I enjoy it quite thoroughly. Um, all right. So a couple other uh, odds and ends here. Um, David Shaw, who was the longtime Stanford head coach. Uh, has now interviewed with a couple different spots. He interviewed with the Chargers, and he will be interviewing with the Titans. Um, I'll give Tennessee this. They are – they're being thorough here. Shaw will be the 11th candidate they've interviewed for the head coaching job. Jeez, are, are they interviewing – like, are, are these guys via Zoom? Like, uh, like flying them in, like, five interviews a day, four interviews a day? How are they doing this? I don't know, man. That's, that's a – like, I almost feel like – it's like, how do you really remember every nuance of every, I know I'm sure you're recording it or taking notes or whatever you're doing, but my God, like I, I'm going to go back to like the, the third guy I interviewed. Am I really going to remember it in that kind of detail to, to know if he was the right fit? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. feels like a yeah. lot to me. It like five-ish, five-ish is probably a good number. Yeah. I don't, you know, one, one, one may say, well, they're being thorough. The other side may say they're not focused. They have, they're interviewing 11, 12 guys. That tells me you have no idea what you want out of these guys. You just want to really see who gives you the best pitch. You know what I mean? Typically, yeah. have an objective. Okay, we're looking for this kind of dude. You're interviewing 12 different guys. Someone argued that indicates a sign of, or some, some, would, some would indicate, some would say that indicates lack of focus. Yeah, I agree. I look, I agree. I, I'm, I'm, I feel it feels like too much for me. Um, you know, and it's not an easy spot. I guess you have Will Levis there. If you feel like he's the future, then that's different. Uh, if you're not sold on him, then it's like, you know, I don't have a quarterback. I have an aging running back uh, in Derrick Henry. I wasn't great defensively. I, I don't, I don't know. I had, I had a, I had an owner who fired Vrabel in part because he went to a ceremony for the mm-hmm. Patriots teams he played for. Hmm. Yeah, strange. I, I'm not sure I'm loving that, you know, uh, that that gig. Uh, this is a college thing, but did you see this? Cam McCormick is a tight end for the University of Miami. He has been given uh, a waiver to play his ninth year of college football. Now, how does that work? So one of it is a red shirt. One of it is uh, uh, a pandemic year. 
He missed two years because of injury. He started at Oregon. He finished at Miami. Dude, nine years. Is he 30? No, he's 20, I think, six. He'll be 27 <laughs> next year. <laughs> uh, yeah, but with NIL, if he's not an NFL player, you better grab every dime you can make. It's not the craziest thing in the world. Right. Hey, hey, yeah. Listen. You listen. You're a novelty right now. I would. Uh. I would milk it. I would take. I would take every. Uh. uh AARP. Um, yes. Sponsorship. Yes. I would do all that. You know what I mean? I. I would lean into it. Being the old guy, I would lean in. Stack that. Stack. Stack those checks. I think you're right. I. I. I mean it, man. Like I would. I would play into this. As hard mm-hmm. as I would lean into it as hard as I would do as I all could. these ads with me, you know, being an old person dressed up in football gear. Like I would I would I would lean in so freaking hard. Man, that is unbelievable. And, and I see uh Scott says Chris Wanky. At least Chris Wanky went and played professional baseball for four years. He was drafted in the major league draft and he went and played baseball for four years. He I think he topped out at double A AA or triple A and then decided, all right, I'm gonna he was a great high school football player to a Kyle uh quarterback. Mm-hmm. He went back to Florida State and played four years and won a Heisman. But man, that is craziness that these guys nine years. That's like, a long time. Man. That's a long that's a long time to be hanging around a college campus. It really is. It really is. All right. So let's go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, with with the the, the sit down that's gonna that's either occurring or has occurred or whatever between Nick Sirianni and uh and Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen, I'm sure is in the in there that you know meeting as well. I do wonder, here's the other, we've been looking at it mostly from like a Jeffrey asking Howie questions perspective. Mm -hmm. Let's turn the tables. If you're Nick, how, um, how ballsy can you get in this meeting? In other words, not much. Well, I probably not, but, but don't you at least have to advocate for yourself in this sense? Let's just say he wasn't on board with the uh, Patricia thing happening you know how do you handle that part like do you say hey remember i i wasn't real thrilled with this to begin with and it got worse like do you even go that route i think he i think it has to be discussed right i think if he has to has any leg to stand on he has to make sure he holds them accountable as well for decisions they made that he advocated against and ended up being to their detriment right so i think that's that's the leverage right if if you tell me if you tell me a tone don't do a because B will happen. Right. And I do it anyway against your advisement. And now I'm looking to blame you for the result. Does that make sense? I've had it happen to me. So, Trust hey, me. Yep. so, so, so it, it's, that's, that's the unfortunate position. That's the unfortunate role we play, you know, being a, a subordinate, you know, you, even if it's not your call, even if you advised against it and it ends up failing because you did execute it, mm-hmm. it's somehow your fault. When you advise against the plan in the first place. So I think that's something that Nick Sirianni is going to have to try to find a balance of in the, you know, in these meetings. Yeah. Um, Hey, Mark Maskey, who is a very good NFL reporter for the Washington post says that um, some within the league believe if Bill Belichick does end up in Atlanta, his coaching staff with the Falcons could include Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia and Joe judge. So he'd be getting the band back together. The, now, the Patriots South? Is that Patriot what that is? South. Now, why is that interesting? Well, it's interesting in general, but why is it more interesting? Because Matt Patricia would be involved, which means no no surprise, okay, but no, we, we at least know he wouldn't be calling plays here or, or running the defense here. It would be exactly. a one and done uh, with Matt Patricia. 
but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, what I don't know is, and I don't even think it's Nick being cocky in this sense. I really don't, but, but Nick does have to, to some degree have to be allowed to speak his mind in this thing and, and say, look, you know, this didn't work guys. And our, maybe our philosophy at linebacker needs to change a little bit, or maybe mm-hmm. we need to do this, you know, collectively, we need to do this thing a little bit differently. I, and I, I would hope that they give him the leeway to be able to do something like that. Cause that has to be part of this. Yeah. Nick has to, I think he has the right to defend himself. I think yeah. he has the right to stand up for himself. Right. Um, but you and I both know you have to navigate this world of the, you know, this world of business very finely yep. and meticulously. And, um, Sometimes you, sometimes how you feel is irrelevant, you know? Yeah. So whatever Nick is feeling. Well, you know what it is more than anything else though? Time and place. Time and place. place. All right. So for example, there may be after everything's agreed upon that you're going to stick around, there may be a follow-up meeting with, Hey, what can we do? Any good boss will say to their employee, hey, what can we do better here? What can we do better to help ensure that this doesn't happen again or that this succeeds? That may be the spot for you to jump in there and say, hey, look, I, I truly believe we need more impact from our linebacker play. I truly need believe we need X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're legitimately fighting for your job, this you may take a different tact in this meeting today. Yeah. Where you're not quite, quite getting as deep with some things, you know? Into, into the sauce, if you will. So you think, so you think if in order for him to keep his job, he is going to have to soften his blows a little, yeah, a little bit. You know what? You may be right because I'm a firm believer of say what you need to say to get the job. Once you got it, then you start trying yeah, you to, you could figure the other know, stuff out, right? But get the job first before you start having opinions, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in this yeah. case, save your job before you start really having. Yeah, save your job before you start giving out these stern opinions. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's actually where we are. You know, this this meeting is going to be a pivotal point in Philadelphia. We're going to reference this day. You know, we're going to reference this whole situation five years from now, and whether we have a Super Bowl or not at the end of it, it's going to tell us everything. Yeah, and the biggest thing I think if you're if you're Lori is what you have to measure. I know what he's done, but the question is, what is he going to do? Like you've won. There's no question. You have good track record in terms of yeah. wins, losses. But do I believe in you going forward? Have you lost this crew? Why'd you lose this crew? Mm-hmm. Why does it look different than it looked last year? Was it really just about your assistant coaches last year who left? And these, the, like, that's the crux of this. Let, let me, like, I, the, the other part is Jeffrey Lurie does not want to be the, the the owner who gets tagged, you know, the, the the hot trigger guy. In other words, you don't want to be that dude who's every two years it's a turnover, you know, or or, or whatever. You don't want to yeah, be that owner. Yeah, it follows you, right? You don't, I don't, no. I personally don't think when you think, when you think about it in the macro, as much as, um, as much as I've, as much as I've been displeased with Nick Sirianni's work output. As much as he's pissed me off, when I think about it in the macro from the Philadelphia Eagles perspective, they cannot afford to jump back into the head coaching market. They can't. Mm-hmm. Reputation for a team that values their reputation a lot, 
I think that's going to also be at the forefront as well. Do we really want to be known as the organization that blows out head coaches that has winning records, that wins Super Bowls after three or four or five years of service? Do we really want to be that crew? Right. How are you going to get people to play for you or even come and work for you and coach for you? Well, that, that's the that, other part. That's something yeah. they got to think about. Like if you're really going to be players, and I don't know if they would or not, but if you were really going to be a player with some of the big names that are out there, that's the one of the first things I'm asking is if I'm if I'm Jim Harbaugh or Belichick or whatever I'm saying, you fired a guy the year after he went to the Super Bowl, and, and that guy even went to the playoffs this year. Like you have to ask yourself, do I do I want to be around that kind of instability? Let that me ask volatility? you this. Let me ask you this. Bring it back, Nick Sirianni. Would you say that qualifies as a sign of strength? Or a sign of disarray. Because, you know, when you bring a guy back, you're showing conviction. And you're not overreacting, right? Um, But again, I don't want to pollute it. Do do you think bringing back Nick Sirianni could be considered a sign of strength? I think it depends on, uh, you know, uh, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So I think you can look at it from a positive standpoint of, Hey, they don't want to be that team with that crazy turnover. They they realize that this year got crazy and this guy's a really good coach. It was just a bad close to the season. Or, you know, the 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 they're doing the smart thing. They're not prolonging this. They're not doing what, what the Chargers did last year with Brandon Staley by running it back again and hoping this guy figures it out. No, they've come to the conclusion from what they've seen and then what they heard from him in this interview that it's time to move on. I really just think it depends on on how you view things like Jeffrey Lurie has been doing this long enough. He's on the team for 30 years. He's had a, he's had a bunch of different coaches here. He he knows kind of what he needs to see or hear. The one thing they, they always do is if they do move on from a coach, that next coach gets them back quick. So there is a track record. If you're looking for something there to, if they let Nick Sirianni go, the track record's very good with them hiring the right coach, at least for the immediate, you know, future. Right, until things fall off three years later. That's so, the problem. You, you don't have a Steeler situation where Mike Tomlin's there for a really long time or other right. coaches that have been around and, and stayed with their team for a really long time. Why is that? Are you ultimately choosing the right guy if you have to bounce him so quickly? Is there a failure in your process? Yeah. If my heart's telling me they can't afford to get back into that head coaching market. My heart's telling me – I. I think Nick Sirianni's coming back, y'all. I think he's coming back. They're going to change some. They're going to change some things up in the staff. They're going to run him back another year, and I think that's what it's going to be. I and think it, both. And look, I think it, both even coaches. Yeah. Go ahead. I think he's back, and I think both coordinators are out. Yeah, yeah. I, that's where I'm at with it. Um, and look, you guys. Again, think about it in the macro. Things went south, and they went south fast. And we felt like we had a chance this year, but in our reality. We didn't. The personnel was a problem on defense. Um, the Eagles had an ocean of issues um, so vast that it's hard to pinpoint. That it's hard to pinpoint exactly who's the main culprit. And that's and I think that's how you know um, it goes beyond Nick Sirianni, right? Their problems, their their problems are an ocean. So maybe bring it back. Maybe again, maybe bring it back Nick Sirianni. Is the better decision now, maybe. But one thing I will say, you bring him back, you see you're setting your 2024 campaign up 
to be one of the most scrutinized in Eagles history. Yeah, you you're are. Se- you're setting it up because yeah. they're going to they're going to be watching Nick Sirianni every play by play by play, quarter by quarter, game by game, week by week, matchup by matchup. They're going to they're going to criticize him with a fine tooth comb, and you're well, setting it up for that. The number one and two hot seats both belong to guys in the NFC East. It's going to be McCarthy one, Nick two. Right and and yeah, you're right. And I think it's I think McCarthy's one only because of the brand itself, the Cowboys. Right. Yeah, that's. A, um, I mean, it's just the Cowboys hype makes make. I mean, the Eagles right. are coming off a Super Bowl last year. It should be it should right. be Nick, but it's and not. And I think Nick Sirianni signed a five year deal, if I'm not mistaken. Was it a four year or five year? So, so he might have two year this year and the following year. McCarthy's yeah, going into a they didn't re up. Yeah, he's they, in a lame duck year. Right. Right. Exactly. Yes. McCarthy's in a lame duck year. I don't think Sirianni is. I think he's into a fourth year of the five year deal. Um. It's it's a it's it's no mystery why they haven't extended him because they've been iffy on him, right? It took them once Doug won the Super Bowl, they extended him right away, you mm-hmm. know. And of course, you win it, you deserve you, you deserve an extension for the most part. But Nick made it still, you know, and they they were ten and one. You would thought you would think that they would look at him as okay, a prime candidate to be extended. I think now they're going to make him play out that whole contract if he even stays here beyond twenty twenty four. They're going to make him play the whole thing out. Oh yeah, I, I I would uh I would tend to agree. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's sneak one in. Let's continue with the uh-huh. Eagles discussion. We'll mix in some Flyers who had yet another big win last night. The six showing up. Yeah, man, they're playing. That was great. A, that, that was a beautiful game too. Um, you know, I you know I, I watched some of the things you you pointed me to. Yeah. Uh, and man, we got some things to discuss about those Flyers, man. Yep. Yeah, we'll do that, and we'll also give you a countdown to pitchers and catchers. Believe it or not, it's hard to imagine. We're sitting here getting. Snow dumped on us, but pitchers and catchers are less than a month away uh, from reporting. It's amazing. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll roll into the final segment of the show. Tone to Shields, Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won... We went straight to Broad Street, and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, happy Friday, everybody. Final segment of the program. Uh, Tony Shields, Rob Ellis, hanging with you. All right, Tony, so the uh, Flyers keep it rolling last night. They beat the Stars 5-1 to one, uh, at home. They are five, They have won five straight. They outshot Dallas 43-16 to 16 in the game. Um, they have raised their season total to 25-14-6. and six. That five-game win streak is the tied for their longest this season, um, the, the game, first of all, the Flyers just dominated from beginning to end, really. Mm-hmm. But the, the highlight of the game was the second goal by Owen Tippett, which was a sick, sick goal. So he's, oh, he's doing a, a spin move, blind, backhanded shot with a guy all over him. And he, and he cashes on it. And it was he had a great one the other night, which I didn't think he was going to be able to top, and he topped it with that one last night. It was the awesome. fact that he got that thing with with the spin, with the backhand, getting it over the left shoulder, with the with that level of accuracy. It's sometimes I wonder, you know, like because because hockey isn't my forte, right? Right. But it's something that fascinates me still and is entertaining. I'm with. You. I just I, I I sit here and I say to myself, how the hell can did they how can they do all these things with that sticking that puck? Yeah, on skates. On he's skates. Not, he's not on. Yeah, just wearing his sneaks on on a court, man. He's on. He's on. He's yeah. on skates. Yeah. It's so funny. As 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 awesome as um uh Tippett's goal was, right? Me personally, my favorite um was was a uh, Walker's. Walker's oh yeah. goal. Walker's goal. Off, Walker. Yep. yep. Off of off of Frost's uh backhand pass. That was nice too. Because if you pay attention. That was a one-time pass um, that Frost had. Yep. So as soon as the puck came to him, he popped it over to mm-hmm. Walker. 
Mm-hmm. And Walker just was smooth. Finished with finished with authority. We're um, starting to see they got some dudes. They they got some dudes. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, Tippett's goal off the draw uh, off the faceoff last night was pretty cool too. Was that's pretty was. cool. And um, and uh, Lawton's penalty sh- penalty shot was was sweet. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. That oh, that was that took his time. The little little deke move. And then, and, and then just, and then just, just waited, just wait yeah. that split second for his, yeah. for his foot to go up and got it right under there. It had a little yeah. flair to it too. It had a little flair like to it. It was, it was a little zesty, wasn't it? Yeah. It was <laughs> a little spicy. Yeah. I like it. Um, I'll tell you, it, it, you, it's, it's rare that Tortorella heaps praise on them after a game. It's very rare, but he was like, they played a pretty damn good game. Like he, you know, he gave them a little bit of uh a little love, which was kind of cool. Um, so it was good to see. And they, you know, again, you know, um, Ursan only had to face like 16 shots. He gave, you know, gave up one, but that they, they dominate. And that's a good, I think the stars had either won five or six straight. I mean, they're beating good teams. They're not just beating stiffs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time we, we need to start asking ourselves, like, are we beyond just, this is a cute little story. Like, are they, are they good? Right. Um, well, we're literally at the halfway point in the season. What is it? Uh, they played, uh, what is that? Uh, 39 plus six, 45, they 45 games. Yeah. We're, we're past halfway. We're past halfway. Yeah. It's it. I think it's time to start taking this flyers team a little more seriously. I know, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're way over 500, way over. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you said, they're beating good teams, the stars, the blues, the jets, you know, that that's not nothing to sneeze at. I've I've right. been saying this to you, and I and I'm not going to. I'm gonna keep repeating it. The Flyers are not a team. I repeat, the Flyers are not the team you want to see in the playoffs. Yep, because they're gritty, they're grimy, um, they're pesky. Um, they don't know how good they are just yet. Yep, and they are going to make life miserable for a team who's going to go in there and just. You know, take them lightly. Yeah, if you get, you're right. If you get an early round matchup with a team that thinks they could just show up, uh, they're they're going to be rudely, you know, a bit of rude awakening for, for that team. Because again, I, you know, I, I said it to you before, this Flyers team is good enough to push a team. And, and look, they may not win the series yeah. because they're young. Yeah. But you push this. Uh, the Flyers are a team that you don't want to see, and they're going to push you to six or seven games. Hundred percent. Know, they're going to they're going to make you very uncomfortable. And I and I, I'm willing to bet. Any team that has to come across the Flyers in the playoffs, they're losing their following series. Yeah, because I, they're gonna because, be because they're going to they're, they're going to grind you to grind you to sawdust. It's a great point. It's a great point. Uh, meanwhile, you got the Sixers at the Magic tonight. Uh, tone looks like Embiid's good to go. No mm-hmm. issues there. Uh, no Melton. Uh, but here here's where we are uh, standings wise. Sixers are in third. They're a game back in Milwaukee. They're five back of Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando's kind of fallen off lately. They've lost mm-hmm. seven of their last 10. Mm-hmm. They're still over 500, the 22 and 19, but this is the kind of game where the Sixers should go there and win tonight. Um, you know, you're, you're that team now and, and you're on the road and you're not playing a great opponent. So, you know, take care of your business. And I think they will. And, and the big question is, as we're, man, February 8th is creeping up. That's the trade deadline. We're not that far off. Everybody's we're almost gone, man. You're right. You know what? Less than three weeks. Uh, yeah, it was three weeks yesterday, the trade deadline. So 
big question is I just saw a Keith Pompey tweet where he said um, he does not think the Sixers will pursue Bruce Brown, who I who I really like. I like Bruce Brown. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, but he, I became a fan when he was in Brooklyn. Same here. Same here. And he had a great uh, – was it last year in the playoffs? He was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He, for, he was he was huge for them. Then, and I think it was uh, – I can't remember what game it was, but he was huge for them down the stretch, yeah. um, you know, for, for Denver to win that championship big time. All right. So it, it looks like that's not going to happen. It's I don't know. And maybe maybe Daryl Morey's just laying low. But it, it, it feels more and more to me like it's going to be – he's going to do something, but it's going to be kind of under the radar, mm-hmm. maybe depth. Uh, without a big splashy kind of move, it sort of feels like that. Sometimes less is more, and yeah. sometimes you don't need to make a move that just completely upsets your rotations or your or your starting lineup. Sometimes you just need that extra guy that can just create a little bit of offense here, play some defense there, a big shot guy. You know, I don't. I, I honestly don't want the Sixers to make a drastic move. Just sprinkling a rotational guy. They can take some pressure off of either Maxie, Tobias Harris, or, well, take some pressure off Harris because I don't trust him to be able to produce day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So maybe another wing, um, you know, they can score, um, they can, or they, they can shoot threes, you know, they can, you know, that they can create spacing for you. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to make a big move, though. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I want them to maintain their flexibility they're going to have this offseason where they're going to have a lot of money. They're going to have a lot of draft picks. You're getting a lot of guys off the books. Um, so they're going to be in a position, certainly, of strength. Um, that's for sure. Correct. All right. Uh, believe it or not, pitchers and catchers report February 14th. And full squad for the Phillies reports to Clearwater February 19th. So, uh, like, legitimately a month from today, you know, full squad. Like You know, Rob, I, I can't. Dude, it's too soon. I I, I it's, it's too it's soon, true. true that, that, that part, but also oh. every time you say pitchers and catchers, it makes me think about. I don't know why it just makes me feel like that's the name of like a a night at a bar. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. Hey, you guys, it's pitchers and catchers night. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I, I don't know. It just sounds like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so it sounds like sounds like a, a dive bar special. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Yep. Yep. Um, I'll keep it moving after that one. Uh, oh, so uh, let me throw this at you. I thought this was a really good stat by uh, uh, Shane Half. He's a pretty good Twitter follow in terms of stats and whatnot. You can follow him at, at Shane Half NFL. Among 84 NFL wide receivers with 45 plus targets in 2023. So you talk about guys who get the ball thrown to them. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith ranked 42nd in average separation. AJ Brown ranked 71st that's per next gen stats dallas goddard ranked 26th of 28 tight ends so what does that mean okay it doesn't mean all of a sudden those guys lost any kind of speed or ability to get open it means what is being schemed up is garbage it means nothing is easy it means everything is contested uh it means that your coaching is horrendous now, who's at the top of those lists? Like, 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 do you have any play? Like, you give me. Some I just had those guys. Okay. I, I can, I can pull it up. But, he, but here's where I'm, dr- what I'm driving at. The Eagles have so many of these kind of stats at their fingers, right? At the tips of their fingers. These are the kind of things that you're going to sit down with with Nick and say, "How do you explain this? How do you explain two talented guys, three talented guys like that, have those kind of numbers, Nick?" Right. It, and, it actually gives. It actually. 
highlights just how great A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Goddard are, right? The fact that they were able to, especially A.J. Brown and Devontae, the, what they were able to accomplish with that was so little separation speaks to their greatness. Imagine if you had some competency at the coaching position. They would be indefensible. Yep. And, and this is where, you know, if, if you're Nick, you're essentially going to have to convince, I would think, Jeff and, and uh, Howie that, look, offense coordinator struggled. Um, you know, and could I do things differently scheming this up? Sure. But we have enough talent where it's there if we harness this thing right. Mm -hmm. And whether they're going to buy that or not, I don't know. I don't know if they'll buy it because a lot of these roads lead back to him. He was hired because of his offensive prowess. They like hiring offensive head coaches. He's not calling the plays, but he is scheming it up. And if he is scheming it up, you're you're contributing to this, these downfalls and these issues that they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they need to revisit their route combinations. Um, the route tree, just the, the concepts in general. I think they need to revisit that. Too often you saw guys within five yards of each other running into each other. Um, I think they I think they need some more creativity out there. I do too. I, I think they desperately need it, in fact. I, I, you know, their, their inability to scheme things up and make things easier where it's not just your great player making a great play speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. It speaks volumes to the issues this team's had. And I think with, with their, you know, they're, you're, and believe me, Howie and Jeffrey are sitting there watching these other teams in the playoffs and, and they're seeing what's going on and what they're doing. And that's a lot. I mean, they're, you, you sitting there watching a Bucks team that has maybe a quarter of the talent that you have making Baker Mayfield look good, you know, and, and Kate Otten and David Moore and some of these other guys who caught balls in that game, you know, that that's, that's a lot. To overcome, I don't know. Yeah, you know, the more I think about this tone, the more we talk about it, it doesn't bode well for Nick. It doesn't. Mm. It just doesn't. I mean, again, all these roads lead back to him. Like, if it, let me put it this way: if your defense, excuse me, your offense had scored thirty-three points and you lost thirty-eight, thirty-three, and your offense had been good all year, and it was just strictly on the defense, which isn't his side of the ball it might be a lot easier to explain away mm -hmm. than having your side of the ball with all the talent stink or, or be mediocre to close out the year. Right. That's a good point. I mean, that's what it was at one point, right? Even though we still had our questions about the offense, they were still putting up points. They were. And, um, you know, uh, it would be much easier to, to go through this whole process and say, well, you know, the defense, we got we, we, we to reload over there, right? But it, the second half of the season became everything offense defense it's, it, it was just a complete meltdown for seven or eight straight weeks how do you explain it mr sirianni mm -hmm. i don't know if he can it was that bad everybody was underperforming everybody um took a step back you know in the second half of that season um it was just a nightmare on all fronts and you're the head coach and all roads likely lead back to you Either he's going to go in that meeting and lay down, or he's going to go in that meeting and start pointing fingers. Yeah, one or two of those things is going to happen. Right, right. It's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. And you got to you got to walk a fine line between being a finger pointer too, and, and taking your own accountability. You got to be very careful with that. You, if you're just sitting there saying, "Hey, Brian stunk," uh, "Matt Patricia stunk," "Sean stunk," it's kind of like, 
come on, dude. Yeah. You know, don't lay this on everybody else. Yeah. So he, I look, I, here's the other thing. These guys are very, I, I would say this. I think he comes in at an advantage because clearly he and Howie talked. And if Diana Rossini's report is correct in that he and Howie were reaching out to potential coordinators, it means they're on the same page with the kind of guys they're looking for, which likely whatever Howie likes is probably what Jeffrey likes. Mm -hmm. That part helps him. Yeah. Yeah, There's some things that play to his advantage and some some things that don't. I think that part plays to his advantage if that process has already begun. Absolutely. So yeah, look, either way it's going to be, do you think we find do, do you think we find out before today's over or do you think we're going to not going to have like or do you think they're going to wait until division around weekend passes how do you, No what, no I I think we're going to hear something tonight or tomorrow uh, during the day before the game start I think hmm. I don't know that it's going to be a statement from the Eagles you know an official Eagles statement I think you know pick your pick your poison Schefter Diana Rossini uh, Pelissaro, Garofalo, whatever. Rappaport. Rappaport. One of these guys, the usual suspects. Maybe Woj jumps in and gets a, gets an NFL bomb off. Maybe Shams. Shams. Shams will dip his foot in the pool every once in a while in, into the NFL. He will do that. But I, I think that's where you find out. Because that way, you're basically, if you're the Eagles, you're like, why would we have to put a statement out? He's Nick's still under contract. We don't, we don't need to do that. There's you know nothing to see here. But the way you do it is you leak it. Hey, everybody, you know he's back, but there's going to be two new coordinators here, or they're just moving on from the defensive coordinator position. I don't know. I think it's going to be a very tough sell tone for the fans if it is both Sirianni and Brian Johnson back. I think that's a very tough sell for the fans. Everybody knows you're changing the defense. I just want to see a creative offense. I want to I want to get back to watching football games saying, whoa, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm watching, I loved watching Houston play this year. I loved watching um, – who was it? Uh, I loved watching Baltimore play this year. I loved watching the Niners play no matter how and much Baltimore they Baltimore had a very boring, predictable offense for, for a long time, and they changed it up this year. Right, right. And it's just – I look at these other teams, and, I'm, and I clearly see the – the distance between what the Eagles are doing and what the other teams are doing. I see it. It's and I'm not I'm not even a specialist in this regard. And it's I not just, a talent. I just see it. It's not, not a talent. it's not a talent. Actually, some of these teams are lesser talented. Yeah. So some of these offenses have worse lines, worse skill position guys, worse some of them have quarterbacks that you either think is on par or maybe or maybe not as good. Like however you want to slice it. Yeah. It's not a talent gap. It's clearly what they're being asked to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and that's the thing. If you're sitting there and look, you already lost to them. But if you're sitting there and you're watching Tampa Bay play this weekend, again, with Baker Mayfield and with a, just an average running back, you know, and a tight end who's who's okay. I mean, he's solid. And I know you have Mike Evans. Mike Evans may have had his worst game as a pro last week, and you still won despite it. They let Cade Otten kill Hurt them. Cade Otten hurt them on third down every single time. Doesn't make any sense to me. I, I actually, actually, it does make sense. Well, you know, we, we talked about this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. If the Bucks do what they normally do, if, if Mike Evans plays like the Hall of Famer that he is, they're in the 50s in point in terms of points. Or That's close okay. to it. They're in the high 40s or, or yeah. low 50s. So you, you get killed. You, I mean, you didn't really. What difference does it make if it's 32 to 9 or 41 to 9? But, but nonetheless, 
you know, if they, they, if they if they were to lose fifty to nine, I would. I yeah, think Nick, I think Nick Sirianni would have been fired that night. Yeah, he may not have gotten on the plane. He may they may have just said, "Hey, why don't you take some time down here in Florida and and enjoy the sun, you know, and the, and the comfort of enjoy the sun." Yeah. Oh man. Um, speaking, speaking of sun, man, what you got yeah. planned for the weekend? All right, so I got to work tomorrow, um, uh, and I'm off Sunday, so I'm excited to be able to really just kind of chill Sunday and watch the games. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do as soon as we get done, I'm going to dig us out first. I'm going to do a little shoveling. Uh, good times. So I'll do that first, and then we'll uh, we'll do the sledding. Like I'm, I'm going to walk to a little park near our house, mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll take our niece and we'll go sledding. So I'm going to do that now. I know you got now. Who's coming in? Your side of the family or your wife? Oh, my side, my side. So Beautiful. Um, my, so yeah, um, mom, dad, uh, stepmom, grandma, and uh, my two brothers. So uh, yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, dude, that's great. Now, how full, long? Full house. Um, they're going to be here until Tuesday. That's great. Yeah. yeah so full, 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 full house, man. Yeah, what's the big tourist attraction? Are you doing like one of those deals near your place? Um, so we are so so we're so we're going to visit um on Saturday. We're going to visit uh you know my wife's um father. He lives just outside of Dallas. So we're gonna drive over there. Make, How long is that out. ride? It's about two and a half hours. Okay, okay. So so we're gonna make a day out of that. Uh Sunday we have this brunch spot where we're gonna take him to that we're excited about Sunday morning. Um Everything else is kind of just play by you know, ear. yeah, play by ear, kind of go with the flow. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, ultimately it's gonna be a good time. Good man. Well, all right, well, listen, that's important because I know you haven't seen them when, since what August, July. All right, so July, it's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's been a while. So this it's is good. Been, That'll be good for you. Yeah. That'll be good for you. Um, all right, well, enjoy them. Take it easy. And again, uh, you know, I'll see. We'll, I'll see. I'll see you Wednesday, actually. I'll see you Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Tone is off. Uh, Tone's off Monday and Tuesday. Um, but I'll be here. Uh, but yeah, Tone will be off enjoying time with his with his family as he should. Take some time and recharge the batteries, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll come back Monday. We'll recap everything, everything mm-hmm. that went down with the division rounds. Hopefully by then we have some answers too on where things are. Uh, you know, with the Eagles and the coaching search and Nick Sirianni's future and all that good stuff. Um, so we'll we'll certainly get into that. Everybody in the chat. Appreciate your contributions, everybody streaming, everybody listening, but you don't want to go anywhere. You have the National Football Show uh, with Dan Cilio coming your way, Antone, uh, uh, next. And if anybody's in the Philly area, be careful. If you have to go out and drive, if you can avoid it, don't. It's slippery out. It's a mess out. It's wet out. But if not, just uh, if you can just hunker down and chill, hunker down and chill. So everybody stay safe. Have a good weekend. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Take care. those springtime vibes all over Arizona. 
break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.